This is Radio Orbit, exploring the secrets of everything on KOPN 89.5 FM, Columbia. to you, wherever you might be. This is Mike Hagan, and you're listening to Radio Orbit on KOPN 89.5 FM, Columbia, Missouri. And uh, we're going to do something a little bit special tonight. Um, let me tell you really quickly what's coming up uh, in a few minutes. Uh, I'm going to have my, my friend Scott Stevens. He's a meteorologist, uh, the TV weatherman for KPVI in Pocatello, Idaho. And uh, he'll be on a little bit later, and Kent Stedman's going to be on the air with me as well. And we're going to be talking about... Uh, weather modification and weather manipulation and all kinds of uh, uh, scalar technologies and directed weapons, directed energy technologies, all these different things tonight. So anyway, that's coming up. But uh, first, uh, we're going to spend a little time 
uh, talking with uh, uh, Debbie Johnson and uh, Kurt Wollaber and Chris Bowling, um, uh, three of the people that were involved in the uh, uh, the radio theater series Aurora that you heard for the last six weeks. Actually, it finished up last week on uh, Debbie's show, Free Range Radio Theater, which is always on uh, every Monday at 10 o'clock before my show. Uh, so anyway, I, I really enjoyed the um, uh, the program uh, or the series, I guess I should say, and uh, Debbie and I have been sort of chatting about it uh, uh, as it's been going on. And uh, anyway, the guys were in the studio uh, tonight. Unfortunately, is it is it uh, Angie? Angie. Angie yeah, Rush. Okay, Angie isn't with us, uh, although she was here uh, earlier with uh, with Debbie. Uh, but anyway, we got uh, uh, Debbie still here, and Chris is here, and Kurt's here. So I thought I'd just say hi to you guys and tell you how much I appreciate it uh, and uh, like the the show. And uh, just sort of curious of where it all came from. I thought we'd chat, chat for a few well, minutes. Actually, so. I'd like to say something really quick. Sure. Um, uh, as far as uh, participation in Aurora, I was really just the primate with the opposable thumb that oh. flipped the switches. Well, that's all right. I wouldn't have heard that it was without my you. I wouldn't have heard it without you, so I still have to give you credit, Debbie. So at any rate, uh, really cool stuff. So we're... Uh, uh, first, tell me a little bit about uh, what about you guys. I mean, are you do you have an, a, a group that does this regularly? Was it a one-time thing? Is it a is it a professional thing you do, or what's? It's non-professional. Yeah, non-professional definitely. If professional means that we make any money from it, no, definitely not. <laughs> However, uh, we've we've done we've that was probably we've produced probably I would say between thirty and forty shows to date. Um, wow. Uh, we started in 1999. Um, we've been kind of on extended hiatus. Uh, the post-production work on Aurora lasted far longer than it should have, um, and that was the last. That was the, the last thing that we have uh, put out. We've still got a couple things that are still in post-production yeah. uh, that should be uh, hitting the airwaves before too terribly long. Yeah. Right. Right. Like what? Right. Uh, Rack and Pinion. <laughs> oh. Uh, which is a really interesting story. It's uh, the story of uh, the gift of the Magi oh, told wow. in a robot universe. Wow. <laughs> now, Debbie, how much of, of, of their previous work have you aired on the, on the program? Have you aired any of it? All of it. All of it? Yeah. So I'm just, like, catching up just now. Yeah. Wow. Well, uh, but I, obviously well, it's time to start going through the whole repertoire. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, right through the library. Hey, there's a whole new listenership. There's a whole new group of people oh, out good. there, I think. I'd like to hear... Um, uh, 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 What's the Western that Katie did? No, the name went right on oh. my head. Um. Wow, I'm totally blanking, too. Why am I totally blanking on this? Um, it, Pecos Betty. Pecos yeah. Betty. Oh. Yes, I'll get to hear Pecos Betty well, again. You guys, one of my favorites. You, you, should, uh, you, should, you should pull some of those out of the archives once in a while and play those, because I'd love to hear them, and I'm sure other people would, too. So, All right, so who's the, who's the brains behind Aurora? Who wrote, was, it, was, it, was it both you guys? Was it no, actually, actually the, the credit must go to uh, Aaron Huntsley, who is not with us tonight. Oh, Aaron okay. Huntsley was the writer of Aurora. He also uh, did the direction and post-production work on three of the six episodes of the series. So he's really the brains of it. And uh, actually between uh, Aaron and uh, Kurt, who is with us here tonight, uh, right. there would almost be no uh, free-range radio theater because between the two of them, they have produced probably three-fourths of, uh, of the work that, that we uh, ended up turning into full-fledged right. radio shows. Right. And, Kurt, for, again, for me, because I don't know that much about the historical stuff, is it all typically sci-fi, or, or do you go across other genres? or, or uh... we've, we've pretty much covered a, a lot of genres. We've done a lot of science fiction, a lot, uh, some old-time radio parody, uh, huh. comedy, but, uh, and we've done some straight drama, fantasy. Yeah, I can see you guys doing some comedy. There's been one of the coolest parts about Aurora 
that I've always mentioned to Debbie is that there's always these sort of unexpected, uh, uh, very funny lines that are just sort of stuck in, and they really do uh, come through because you don't expect them where they are. And I've always thought it was really clever the way some of the writing was done. It was really good, actually. Yeah, we're we're very fortunate to uh, to have Aaron uh, w uh, working with us. And at the same time, I've always liked it because I talk about sort of some out there ideas on my show as well. And a lot of the stuff that you incorporated into the the story was sort of at least uh, I, we won't say it's true. That's a tough word to use these days, but relevant in the in pop culture, right? Uh, you know, and stories that are out and about if you're out there on the fringe, you know. So. Mm -hmm. Well, Aaron told me that the entire series of Aurora was written because he wanted to write a story that utilized that that method that they use for obtaining gas from the atmosphere of Neptune using the scoop. Do you think he wrote six episodes for a five-minute scene? I don't think that he originally meant it to be six episodes. <laughs> no wonder we recorded that scene four times. <laughs> uh, all right, so what about this? Uh, so what's next? What uh, is there? Is there going to be a um, a sequel, or is there a follow up to Aurora, or are you just going to stop it where it ended and start with something new? Well, you know, uh, we we've been that's something we've been talking about. We've been like like I said, we've been kind of on a, an extended hiatus uh, lately. A lot of things in post production, but uh, no new work really being produced. But uh, just the response that we've gotten to Aurora has been really encouraging for us, yeah. and I think we're seriously considering it. Um, I, I think the writer of the original series. Um, uh, would probably rather stick skewers in his eyes than uh, <laughs> than look at it again. <laughs> at least that's the impression I've gotten when I've talked to him about it. Um, but uh, I, I, for one, would be uh, interested in uh, taking up the challenge and seeing uh, what happens next for hmm. Nick and Boris and Diana. <laughs> right. Uh, we'll we'll take the original concept and uh, drain it all of all integrity and commercialize it. <laughs> there you go. That's the that, that's the that's the trend of the day, isn't it? So. Yes. In, in in two years, expect to see us in Hollywood in yeah, pink right. jumpsuits behind a Campbell's soup commercial. Exactly. Yeah, happy heels and uh, everything. Action figures. I will not wear a pink jumpsuit. I don't care what happens. <laughs> all right. Well, look, you guys. Uh, Thanks for uh, thanks for thanks for doing it. First of all, uh, this is uh, Kurt Wolliver one more time, and uh, bring up the Chris Bollinger. The idea of uh, people sending in scripts. Yes, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's yeah. Do send, send scripts, uh, synopses, uh, ideas. Uh, uh, we won't steal them. Uh, <laughs> we want yeah, we want you to come uh, br uh, come work with us, uh, and we will. Uh, we, we've got the studio. We've got the um, technical know-how to how to turn this into a uh, full-fledged production. If cool. you've got the uh, story idea, then uh, come and work with us, and we'll uh, we'll produce uh, some more radio shows. Together. Excellent. Send email to info at freerangeradio.com. Again, that's info at freerangeradio.com. All one and, word, no hyphens. And we do have scripts that have been approved that. Uh, still need to be cast. So That's in true. the next upcoming months, we'll have we'll be holding auditions and et cetera. So those announcements will go out as well. Right. Stay tuned. All right, cool. Yeah, you guys take advantage of that. The the website is actually www.freerangeradio.com, and again, info at freerangeradio.com. Uh, if you uh, if you have anything you want to chat with them about, or you want to send them ideas or questions or comments or whatever, do that. And get involved if you're interested in it because it really is cool stuff. It's sort of addictive. I've re ever since uh, uh, I started doing the show at 11, I've been listening to Debbie's show pretty much uh, every week, and I've gotten like to totally into the whole the whole thing. I love the old stuff. Um, 
and uh, and some of it is so relevant too today. It's really cool. You pick really good stuff to play. So uh, anyway, it's a great program, and I'm uh, proud to be following it. And uh, everybody out there uh, who's listening, if you're interested in getting more involved, get a hold of these guys at freerangeradio.com. Well, and plus. Uh, all of the cast parties, we we, we have uh, the best yeah. party. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. For no other reason than for a good party. So. Exactly. <laughs> all right, you guys. Well, uh, thanks again, and Thank uh, you. take care of yourselves. Thanks right? for having us, Mike. All right, no problem. Take care. All right, you guys. Uh, this is Mike, and we're going to take a quick break here. We'll be back in just a minute. Uh, thanks to Debbie again at Free Range Radio Theater, uh, always on Mondays at ten o'clock, and uh, to uh, Kurt and Chris. And Angie and uh, whoever else was involved in that production. I think I forgot one other person. But anyway, uh, back in a few minutes, we'll have uh, Kent Stedman on in a little while, Scott Stevens a little while after that. And in the meantime, this is Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. Back in a few minutes, Radio Orbit KOPN. The winter cream, the juniper, the cornflower and the chicory.
trumpet, get on your feet, brother, and I blow it. And if you got a feel that don't yield, go get up now and I hold it. cave and the bad seeds that's there she goes my beautiful world and this is mike hayden you're listening to radio orbit on kopn it's about oh 20 after 11 and uh, we do this every monday night from 11 until 2 a.m in the morning uh tonight we'll have uh, my good friend kent stedman on the air from seattle washington haven't had uh, kent on the air for a while and uh he has some interesting things to share with us tonight and also scott stevens uh uh, Scott is the uh, the uh, weather anchor for um, I want to say KPVI. Anyway, it's the NBC affiliate in uh, Pocatello, Idaho, and uh, Scott is going to be on the air talking about uh, a whole bunch of interesting things that have to do with the weather and uh, things that are going on uh, in the skies above our heads that we may not even be aware of. And uh, and Scott is the real deal, and he has uh, many, many peers that he has to deal with, so don't discount him out of hand. Listen to what he has to say, and uh, uh, after you hear it, then make your own decisions, okay? All right, so all that stuff is coming up. We'll do space weather in a few minutes. Um, quickly here, uh, thanks for the emails. As always, I appreciate it. Anybody, if you have comments, questions, concerns, ideas, whatever, feel free to email me at orbitradio, O-R-B, I-T-R-A-D-I-O at AOL.com. That's orbitradio at AOL.com. And uh, you can also uh, get to me right through the website, www.radioorbit.com. Just one O there in the middle. And uh, also here in the studio tonight, uh, if I take a break and you want to call, uh, you can give me a buzz at 573-874-5676 or 1-800-895-5676. Okay? Uh, like I said, tonight, Scott Stevens and Kent Stedman will probably share some time together with all three of us on the air for a little while. Uh, Debbie Johnson, uh, again, thanks for Free Range Radio Theater. Kevin and Jason, kicking butt, as always, before Debbie. And, uh, okay, a couple things real fast. Uh, for my new friend, Yvonne, uh, get in touch with me. 
Uh, I have some information uh, from Paradise Newland uh, for you, and maybe uh, uh, your friend Debbie can get a hold of me. But anyway, I have this stuff, and I need to get the information to you, and I lost uh, your contact information. So um, if one of you could get a hold of me, I'll be glad to forward that uh, really interesting stuff uh, from Dr. Michael Heisen and Paradise Newland, uh, with whom we spoke uh, just last week, uh, from the Sirius Institute in uh, Pune, Hawaii. We were talking about dolphins, uh, for those of you who missed the show last week, and it was uh, quite an interesting conversation. So, at any rate, um, uh, tonight will be another one, hopefully. Scott's a real cool guy, and he has lots of really fun and wild and interesting stuff to talk about. So, all right, uh, let's see. Next week, my friend Shu, Ed Edwards. And as I've mentioned for the last three weeks or so, um, uh, Ed is undescribable kind of and uh, you're just going to have to wait and see but uh, the bottom line is that we're going to have to have some participation from uh, the audience in order to uh, uh, in order for him to show off uh, what to, what he likes to do so anyway we're going to be uh, to, to say it in a few words uh, we're going to try to do some uh, some energy uh, experiments some non-local energy experiments some energy experiments that you guys here locally in Colombia and regionally in our area uh, can experience uh, through the means of uh, this guy who's going to be on the phone with me from Georgia. And uh, he claims that uh, he can uh, do lots of interesting things. And the only reason that I'm going to have Shu on the air, other than the fact that I really like him, uh, is the fact that I've actually experienced a couple of things that uh, happened uh, in my own life uh, with Shu. And he did some really astounding things that I can't explain uh, in the normal way of explaining things. So I thought I would uh, be glad to let him uh, share uh, his thoughts and ideas with you all, and you can all make your own decisions on uh, on what you think about it. And anyway, we're going to do that next week, but uh, please be ready to call in uh, next week and, uh, and and participate in this because it's going to be uh, a big uh, uh, a part of the show uh, is the people that are out there actually participating. Otherwise, we won't be able to verify any of this stuff. So, anyway, uh, write the number down right now, 573-443-8255. That's the call-in line uh, that you'll call in on next week uh, to talk to Shu. <laughs> All right? Okay, so that's coming up next week. We've got other great stuff coming up. Jay Widener, uh, Michael Horn, Nick Cook, Alex Gray, uh, and his wife, Allison. Uh, both Alex and Allison are going to be on the air. Um, I decided that uh, uh, after digging a little bit deeper into Allison's work that her artwork is uh, as astounding as Alex's. And the two of them are quite a team, quite frankly. And uh, so we're going to have Alex and Allison Gray, two of the quintessential artists of our time, uh, on the air on September 5th. So all that's coming up in the next few weeks, in the next six weeks or so, and uh, over the summer, lots of other cool stuff mixed in, okay? All right, um, we're going to take another quick break here. I'll come back. We'll do space weather, and then we'll get Kent Stedman on the phone, talk to him for a while, and then we'll... Uh, i got a couple of stories that are relevant uh, for the topic tonight that I'll go over just to sort of bring people up to speed if you're not familiar with this stuff, and uh, then, then we'll... Um, then we'll get on with it. Uh, we'll have Kent on the air with Scott for a little while because some of the stuff that Scott uh, is talking about will uh, will meld nicely with the stuff that Kent and I will probably be chatting about. And then uh, we'll let Kent go on his way and we'll finish the show for the for the rest of the uh, 
night with Scott Stevens. And again, Scott is a uh, meteorologist. He's the anchor, the TV weatherman anchor uh, at the NBC affiliate in in uh, Pocatello, Idaho. Uh, so one of the major uh, one of the major three networks. He's the anchor. He's the he's the head weatherman at the station, um, and he also has some interesting hobbies. So we'll be talking about that in uh, just a little while. In the meantime, this is Mike. You're listening to Radio Orbit on KLBN. Uh, we'll be back in a few. Mike, and you're listening to Radio Orbit on KOPN. That was a band called Shelter Belt, and the song is called Rain Home uh, from the 
from the disc of the same name, Rain Home. Anyway, I just found that over at my friend Casey's uh, this afternoon. Actually, this evening, I was over there playing some music and chatting with Casey, uh, who does a show here actually on KOPN on Wednesday uh, nights from 10 until midnight. His show is called Blues in the Night, and uh, he does a great show. You guys should listen to it. But anyway, I, w- I was uh, uh, peeking around his apartment, and I saw the CD sitting on his desk, and I picked it up. And anyway, there was a song called Rain Home, which sort of fit the theme of tonight. So I threw it in and listened to it, and it was real cool. So so that was uh, uh, that's what you heard there, Shelter Belt with Rain Home. And thanks to Casey for that one. Don't miss uh, Blues in the Night Wednesdays uh, from 10 until midnight. Okay, uh, this is Mike, and you're listening to Radio Orbit on KOPN 89.5 FM. Let's do space weather real fast. I told you if you want to call me during the break, uh, 874-5676 if you're in the 573 area code, 1-800-895-5676 if you're not. And uh, maybe I'll give you something if you call. All right? I got plenty of stuff to give away, but I don't know. I don't like talking about it, really. So, okay, space weather. Um, we'll talk more uh, about some of the stuff going on up there when uh, Kent gets on the air. But uh, the sun, for the most part, uh, is mellow, although there's a pretty big coronal hole sort of on the front side that we're looking at right now and some big, uh, some relatively large sunspot areas. Nothing really, uh, none of those really really twisted magnetic fields that, uh, that tend to throw off the real big flares and such, at least not right now. Uh, as always, the potential uh, for that... Um, uh, can change uh, at any given moment. So anyway, we watch it as always, but uh, nothing really interesting t- uh, to report uh, right now on the sun. Uh, old soul is uh, is uh, happy and uh, acting rather kindly right now in the heavens. So, all right, um, we can appreciate that on this uh, solstice. As a matter of fact, uh, the uh, 21st of um, June this year, at least, uh, being the uh, the day of the summer solstice. Now the solstice, because the Gregorian calendar is so screwed up, uh, the solstice can really fall, the actual solstice itself can fall anywhere between the, uh, the 21st and the 23rd, sometimes even on the 20th. Uh, but uh, this year it's actually on the 21st and it actually falls at about uh, 6.45 or so uh, Greenwich time. So what's that? There are six hours ahead of us or so. So just about... Um, Midnight. Yeah, just about midnight here. Uh, so, wow, the solstice really is right upon us. The real solstice uh, will be uh, the actual uh, time and uh, actual moment will pass just in about 27 minutes here, actually. At, uh, let's see, now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually, now that I know it's so close, I'm going to actually tell you exactly what it is. It's at uh, 646 Universal Time. That's uh, uh, 1246 a.m. here. So 046 if you're on military time. So in exactly uh, one hour and uh, 12, 13 minutes, an hour and 13 minutes, we will actually have the solstice upon us here in mid-Missouri. And what that means uh, only is uh, that is the moment when uh, the amount of uh, daylight and the amount of nighttime, the amount of time that the sun is above the horizon and below the horizon is exactly equal uh, I take it back. That's the equinox. Um, we're on a solstice. This is uh, the opposite of that, where we have uh, the uh, the sun uh, being in the sky longer on the 21st of, of uh, June this year than at any other day during the year. So this is the time when the days are the longest uh, and the nights are the shortest. So it's a good time for the light. And uh, so we can all appreciate that uh, 
uh, June 21st, and then, of course, the, the uh, winter solstice coming six months later on December 21st when we have the opposite thing happening, uh, the, the darkness uh, being upon us for the longest time, and, uh, and the light uh, having the short, uh, the short take. So anyway, that's one of the things that's going on. And, of course, these are times, uh, the equinoxes and the solstices and the times between them uh, have always been uh, significant uh, to our ancestors and in the history of the human beings on this planet, even though uh, they may not seem relevant uh, to a lot of people right now. Uh, they have been very relevant in our past. And uh, it's interesting stuff when you start to uh, get into it and, uh, and study it a little bit. So anyway, check out the... Uh, uh, the solstice, you can find out information uh, all over the place on this sort of stuff. So go out on the web and start snipping around. Okay, um, what else? Uh, there's a, I think there was another gamma ray burst today in the sky. Who knows uh, uh, what's going on with those. We'll chat with Ken about that in a few minutes. But um, there was one other f kind of funny story that caught my eye, and I'm going to kind of poke fun at science here like I like to do once in a while. Um, it's a story from space.com, actually from Space Weather. And I like the people over there, and they do great stuff, And uh, but they also post some some funny stuff once in a while. So anyway, check this out. This uh, story is called Moon Illusion. And if you were out and about, actually, and you got to see the moon rise tonight in the east, it was pretty early, uh, about 8 o'clock or so, um, and then uh, slowly coming up above the horizon uh, in the east. It was very, very large. And uh, the... Um, uh, the scientists call this the moon illusion, and I'll read a little bit about it uh, for you here in a second. But uh, at any rate, we were able to see it for real uh, right here in mid-Missouri tonight because the moon was astounding as it rose in the east tonight about uh, 7.30, 8 o'clock. And it's still uh, rising now above uh, our city here. If it's clear, I'm actually in the studio right now, so I can't see outside. But uh, uh, if, if the skies are clear, I'm sure you've got a great view of the moon right now. And it's a full moon tonight, a wonderful night for the solstice. And I hope you're all feeling some good energy tonight and enjoying uh, the night and the, uh, uh, the vibes and the radio program, okay? All right, cool. Uh, let's see, what else? Okay, so the moon illusion. Check this out. Uh, sometimes you can't believe your eyes. This week is one of those times. Step outside any evening at sunset and look around. You'll see a giant moon rising in the east. It looks like Earth's moon, uh, round and cratered. The man in the moon in his usual place, but something is wrong. The full moon is strangely inflated. It's huge. You've just experienced the moon illusion. Skywatchers have known this for thousands of years. Uh, moons hanging low in the sky look unnaturally big. Cameras don't see it. But our eyes do. It's a real illusion. This week's full moon hangs lower in the sky than any full moon since June of 1987. So the moon illusion is going to be extra strong. What makes the moon so low? It's summer. Remember, the sun and the full moon are on opposite sides of the sky. During the summer, the sun is high, which means the full moon must be low. Uh, so this week's full moon occurs on June 22nd, uh, that's when the actual full moon is, although it, it, it appears reasonably full uh, tonight and tomorrow. Uh, it's uh, barely a day after the, full, after the real summer solstice on June 21st. Uh, perf uh, perfect timing for the moon illusion, the article says. Uh, now listen to this. When you look at the moon, rays of moonlight converge to form an image about 0.15 millimeters wa wide in the back of your eye. High moons and low moons make the same size spot, so why does your brain think one is bigger than the other? After all these years, scientists aren't sure why. And uh, they go on to talk about uh, 
it being the fact that we that we look at birds on the horizon and view them differently than we look at birds overhead and all this other silly stuff. But I just thought it was funny because, uh, you know, this is our nearest astronomical neighbor and it does this really funky thing and uh, it's been doing it for a long, long time and, and the scientists have no explanation for it, literally, and they even admit that they don't. And then they talk about gamma ray bursts that happen billions of light years away and uh, and then we're supposed to believe that they have those all figured out. It just sort of makes me giggle. So anyway, uh, we're going to be back in uh, just a few minutes with Kent Steadman, play another piece of music here and uh, come back with him. And then we'll have uh, we'll have Scott Stevens on the air after that. All right. This is Mike. You're listening to Radio Orbit on KOPN. We got sort of a weather theme going tonight, so we'll stick with it. Even though it's clear skies, uh, clear skies tonight, this is uh, live on Radio Orbit Lightning Crashes.
All right, that's live from Throwing Copper. That was lightning crashes. And uh, this is Mike. You're listening to Radio Orbit on KOPN. I've got my good friend Kent Stedman on the air here with me. Kent hasn't been on the air for a while. And uh, for those of you who aren't familiar, he's a good friend of mine and a wonderful uh, uh, guru and researcher and a wizard in his own rights. And he hangs out in a cave out in Seattle or thereabouts. And uh, sometimes I sit around the campfire with the old wizard and, and chat and play play music and tell tales and all kinds of stuff. And we're going to do that for a few minutes up front here because uh, it's been sort of a wild day in Seattle and it's been a wild week on the West Coast. And uh, uh, let's just uh, say hi. Kent, you there? Yeah, I sure am. Howdy, Mike. How you doing, buddy? <clears throat> Pretty good. Mike was out at a visiting my cave not long ago. We had a great time playing music. That's right. I told the music. I told everybody here that uh, we had uh, my 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 good friend Casey, who I just mentioned earlier on on the program. He he covered for me on Monday, which was Memorial Day a couple weeks ago, and uh, everybody knows. Yeah, I was out there in Seattle visiting you. It was wonderful. Yeah, and in the midst of all this uh, intense research we get into here on the internet, it's sure nice to. In fact, that's what I do. I'll go on the on my computer looking at the world. And beyond, <laughs> and then I'll go over and set the internal thing off and go over and sit down and pick up my Dobro or my dulcimer and do what I think is really important. <laughs> That's right, and we always do talk about that. The, uh, the yeah, make sure we keep, we keep the creative uh, juices flowing for sure. That stuff uh, keeps us alive. Thank God, something does. So, all right. So, hey. Um, uh, what the hell happened uh, today in Seattle? If I wasn't gonna—I mean, this wasn't something I originally wanted to talk to you about. I want to talk about those earthquakes uh, uh, in Cal- off the coast of California. We can talk about that in a minute. But but something went down in the courtroom in Seattle today, and I'm—I've already seen all kinds of mixed, m- m- uh, muddy reports about what happened. So already uh, the, the story's really sort of twisted. You're right there. What uh, what happened? Well, I need to track it down further myself. Uh, a friend of ours graduated today in the high school, which is just across the street from me. So I read the report, and then I took off and went to a little party for a dear friend of ours. And uh, I haven't really followed it through yet, except that some poor guy, whether he's a terrorist or not, walked into the federal building with a backpack, and then the next thing I know, everybody knew he got shot a few times dead. <laughs> so, man, it's a dangerous world. But, you know, my, my dad used to tell me when I was a kid, he'd say, uh, you know, certain places uh, around the area where it was dangerous for me to go, you know, and he'd say, don't go over there or don't go over there. And he'd say, he used to use this phrase, he'd say, your life ain't worth a plug nickel. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it's like uh, these days, I tell you, your life ain't worth... When we were kids, that's always the place we really wanted to. God, isn't, it, isn't, isn't that the truth? I tell you what, you can't even walk into you walk into a federal court, your life ain't worth a plug nickel. So, well, anyway, but I mean, who knows? Yeah, I mean, I, and I'm not... they found, apparently they found no weapons on him. Well, I heard he had a grenade at first. Somebody said he had a World War II <laughs> grenade. I'm like, well, what is that? And that he he was acting, uh, I mean, who knows? I mean, I'm telling you, I read all kinds of different reports in, in a matter of just a couple hours. So, uh, it, it's so difficult to say what really happens these days because you just, uh, they, the, the, the waters get muddy so quickly that it's just very difficult unless you're 
Uh, you're actually experiencing it yourself to really know what the heck is going on. So. Yeah, well, in cyberspaceorbit.com, which is my website. Ah, yes, we should mention that. Uh, you know, I try to make all this stuff visible. I just haven't followed this particular case through yet, but I will. And uh sounds, uh, I don't know, uh, while we watch the cosmos and the sun and the weather and so on, we try to keep track of all the things. Which is trying, like trying to put a rattlesnake in a sack, you know. It's really <laughs> difficult to figure out what's going on. Right. <laughs> and you get the feeling the more and more I watch the political scene, the more I begin to believe that whatever your uh, your style is in politics, whether you're right or left or so on, I get the feeling more and more all the time that we're all being scammed, you know. And yeah. there are people that are smart enough and... and have enough resource, clever enough, I don't know how smart they are, but clever enough to uh, <clears throat> to get whether you're a left or right, to play both games to, toward their own benefit and profit. And we're finding out a lot of these streams right now are going back to London. Yeah, I have an intuition that you're that of the same thing, and it's not uh, it's not only intuition that a lot of the uh, the things that we've looked at together over the years, and also on my own, uh, have uh, uh, have made the same impression on me. So, hey, I tell you what, Kent, uh, it's about ten to midnight here, and I want to get Scott on the line. So I'm mm -hmm. gonna th I'm gonna throw on a quick piece of music. Um, grab anything you want to talk about uh, with regard to these earthquakes or any anything scalar or anything like that you, that you might want yeah, right. that you might want to chat uh, chat with Scott about, and we'll come back in about. Um, uh, I don't know, we got about five minutes or so, and we'll have Scott on the air with Kent Stedman from www.cyberspaceorbit.com. And uh, uh, Scott uh, Stevens' website, by the way, is www.weatherwars.info. That's weatherwars, no spaces, weatherwars.info. Uh, so we'll be back uh, with both of them in just a few minutes. And in the meantime, this is... Uh, Oh, who is this? Uh, this is Blind Melon. Yeah, cool stuff. This is uh, No Rain uh, from a live sort of bootleg uh, edition of uh, some great early stuff from Blind Melon. Too bad Shannon Hoon's not with us anymore. All right, uh, anyway, check it out. Uh, no Rain, Blind Melon, KOPN Radio Orbit. Back in a few minutes with uh, Kent Stedman from CyberspaceOrbit.com and uh, Scott Stevens from WeatherWars.info. And again, Scott's the... Uh, uh, the anchorman uh, weather at KPVI in uh, Pocatello, Idaho, and uh, the TV weatherman there at the station, the NBC affiliate there. So I uh, know uh, uh, amateur at this business. Okay, back with both of them in just a minute. Yeah. 
All right, yeah, that was uh, Blind Melon with No Rain. That was actually a live version, that uh, another CD that I stole off my friend Casey's uh, uh, dresser today. So, At any rate, um, we've got uh, Scott Stevens on the air and uh, Kent Stedman, and I'm going to read a couple of background stories real fast before we uh, bring them back up uh, for people who aren't familiar with this topic. We're going to be talking, among other things, uh, tonight about weather manipulation and weather modification. And just so uh, this uh, can be brought into the realm of, uh, of reality for some of you folks that might be skeptical about it out there, I'm going to read a couple things really quickly for you. Uh, this is uh, the first thing I'm just going to read an executive summary of is titled Weather as a Force Multiplier, Owning the Weather in 2025. This was a research paper uh, presented to the United States Air Force uh, in 1996. Uh, by a number of full bird colonels, majors, uh, lieutenant colonels. I have all their names right in front of me. If anybody's interested in, the, in this information, you can uh, always uh, email me. But I'm not going to waste the time on it. Anyway, it's a real uh, a piece of uh, documentation here, and it's available uh, on the military websites uh, if anybody's interested in getting that. In fact, I'll probably po post it on the web um, after the show. So anyway, let me read a quick piece of this uh, to you, okay? This is the executive summary, and, and mind you, this is nearly 10 years ago, okay? In 2025, U.S. aerospace forces can own the weather, quote-unquote, by capitalizing on emerging technologies and focusing development on those technologies to warfighting applications. Uh, such a uh, capability offers the warfighter tools to shape the battlefield in ways never before possible. It provides opportunities to impact operations across the full spectrum of conflict and is uh, pertinent to all possible futures. You hear that? And is pertinent to all possible futures. It's interesting how they write. Uh, anyway, the purpose of this paper is to outline a strategy for the use of a future weather modification system to achieve military objectives rather than to provide a detailed technical roadmap. Now, this is a this is a white, a so-called white paper uh, that uh, was presented to the U.S. Air Force ten years ago, and uh, the technology, in my opinion, was fully developed at that time. This was the first time it sort of snuck its way out into the public, um, but. Uh, uh, Anyway, that just gives you an idea, and of course the thing is about 40 pages long, and if you want to get into that, it's a big PDF file, and you're welcome to, uh, uh, like I said, email me, or I'll post that uh, on the web um, after the fact here, okay? Now, here's another thing I'm going to read real fast. This is a statement from the sitting Secretary of Defense at the time, 1997, William Cohen. All right, this is a statement that a sitting Secretary of Defense made at a, uh, um, a conference uh, on counterterrorism in April of 1997 that was sponsored by Sam Nunn, the former Senator Sam, uh, Sam Nunn. All right, so this is what he said, quote, Others are engaging even in an echo type of terrorism whereby they can alter the climate, set off earthquakes, volcanoes, remotely through the use of electromagnetic waves. So there are plenty of ingenious minds out there that are at work finding ways in which they can wreak terror upon other nations. It's real, and that's the reason why we have to intensify our efforts and that's why this is so important. All right, that's 1997, again, nearly 10 years ago, eight and a half years ago, uh, um, from the sitting Secretary of Defense making a statement of that magnitude while he was sitting. All right, these guys don't say things, uh, you know, without great care. So consider that. 
and now here's sort of the coup de grace that just uh, was sort of brought to my attention recently. And this is uh, from March 3rd, 2005, just a few months ago, just a couple months ago. And this is from the 109th Congress, your Congress, the United States Congress, all right? The 109th Congress of the United States of America, first session, 517. This is the name of the bill. To establish the Weather Modification Operations and Research Board and for other purposes. In the Senate of the United States, March 3, 2005, Mrs. Hutchinson introduced the following bill, which was read twice and referred to the Committee on Commerce, Science, and Transportation, a bill to establish the Weather Modification Operations and Research Board and for other purposes be it enacted by the Senate and the House of Representa uh, Representatives of the United States of America in Congress assembled. The short title of this act may be cited as the Weather Modification Research and Technology Transfer Authorization Act of 2005, Section 2, The Purpose. It is the purpose of this act to develop and implement a comprehensive and coordinated national weather modification policy and a national cooperative federal and state program of weather modification research and development. All right, so that's uh, a bill that's sitting in front of your Congress people right now. Interesting that it's probably the first time you've heard about it. Uh, at any rate, uh, this is the sort of stuff that we're going to be talking about in just a few minutes. Scott Stevens is an expert on the topic. Kent Stedman is an expert on the topic. Uh, I'll try to be a decent moderator. And we'll talk to both of them in just a few minutes. In the meantime, uh, this is Mike. You're listening to KOPN on Radio, uh, radio Orbit on KOPN, 89.5 FM, Mid-Missouri source for in-depth news, diverse talk, music of the world, more than radio. It is community radio. And my friend Kyle just uh, stopped in to say hi, so uh, he's going to be joining us here and uh, enjoying the show as well. And it is your imagination station. We're doing it up. KOPN will be back in just a few minutes. One more piece of music, and then we'll get into things, okay? Uh, and uh, sticking with the theme, this is 10,000 Maniacs, Like the Weather. i 
All right, Natalie Merchant and Company, back there from uh, the CD In My Tribe. That was like the weather, and uh, speaking of the weather, he has been interested in the weather his whole life, uh, from the time he was just a young fella, and uh, studied it in college, got a degree in meteorology from the University of Kansas, chased tornadoes around the Midwest for quite a while, uh, doing the whole storm chaser thing that I think we may have to discuss with him if we have a few extra minutes tonight. Um, He's been in radio and television most of his uh, uh, professional career, and uh, to this day is the uh, weather anchor and uh, television weatherman for uh, for KPVI in Pocatello, Idaho. And uh, he's my good friend and uh, fellow confidant, and I'm really pleased to bring him on the air right now, Scott Stevens, and uh, along with Scott, we have uh, Kent uh, Stedman from CyberspaceOrbit.com. Do I have both of you guys here? I'm here. Howdy, Scott. Hello, Kent. Hey. All right, great to have you guys both. I'm glad we got the uh, technology working. Uh, the gods are with us on this uh, solstice evening here. Just flawless, uh... Mike. Just flawless. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so um, uh, Scott, uh, some of my uh, listeners may not be familiar with you uh, because the last show we did was in January, and that was before we moved to Monday nights. Um, so if you want to give a quick uh, sort of background about uh, uh, what, what, your, what your thing is and how you got involved in all this extracurricular sort of stuff, maybe we can do the uh, sort of mainstream stuff first and then uh, talk about where we are today. Boy, that's, uh, <laughs> you can't be involved in weather and, and have an open mind without coming across uh, numerous interesting topics lately um chemtrails probably being the biggest one that we would get emails from 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 the public being in the in the weather in the weather office at work they're always interested in seeing these things flying they want to know what they are so hey for, for the for the for the people out here that, that haven't heard that before what what did you say chemtrails what's that chemtrails uh my research is it's kind of led to a what that appears to be a fairly decent hypothesis about what they are and what what we're finding is that they're contrails flown to uh, mark the sky, looking looking for uh, weather modification signatures. Huh. Um, there had been discussions about whether they're there to create, create high clouds, whether they're there for, um, and then other environmental impacts. Uh, others have believed that there's a biological issue to them. I don't. Um, they're there looking for these energy signatures in the skies uh, in regards to the weather modification that's going on. All right. Well, that's th- th- that's stuff that we'll get a little bit deeper yep. into. Okay, and that that sort of makes sense. But we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves. We, we are. We're way ahead. So, um, but yeah. Okay. That, that that's good. But in, in any case, the chemtrails just. In other words, there's spraying going on above our heads. We know that. And so that was kind of a, a heads up. The boy, something's kind of curious about what's going on in the weather. And so I spent several years uh, from from probably '97, '98 at all, just kind of reading everything I could get a hold of, as far as the alternative press. As, uh, as to what was kind of going on, be that radar anomalies, uh, be they um, odd, odd blips where the satellites kind of give out, mm-hmm. and whether that's sure. transmission, whether that's electromagnetic, um, issues with the sun and increased solar activity and the sunspots, and then you begin to uh, get into the military aspect with the, uh, the force multiplier, mm-hmm. and how do you multiply that force? Right. Would you come in and then own the weather? And we have to explore those technologies. Right. If right. they're saying they can do it in 25 years and or 20 years, then they've got to have an idea at the present day as to how it could be done. So you have to research 
that background. And then that takes you not to present-day happenings, but to a time the better part of 50 years ago. And so mm-hmm. that was a whole other part, part of this weather project that, right. that you have to gain uh, an understanding of so you can see what happens today is, is where uh, the pioneers in this research uh, were taking us 100 years ago and 50 years ago because its genesis is, is back at the turn of the 1900s. Yeah, it's amazing. You're right. All the work te- of Maxwell Tesla. and Tesla. And yeah, yeah. It, it, the foundation, the work, the understanding has been there for so very, very long. We've just been blinded by this is how it's done and this is the only way it can be done and the weather process, the, the, the whole mechanism to do it is too complicated, too random. And that's so far from the tr- truth that people that say that, you just shake your head and go, oh, boy, you got a lot to learn. <laughs> So, uh, All right. So, in, so in the meantime, you you were doing uh, this, this was sort of a hobby thing, but in the meantime, you were doing your mainstream weather gig, oh, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Got to pay the bill somehow. <laughs> <laughs> you got to eat. Right. So uh, you know, what essentially what happened was that the accuracy began to decrease. Okay, that's yeah. This is a great part of the story about why you got really interested because your your forecasts just were getting worse when they should have been getting better. Isn't that right? Well, technology gets better. Understanding of the processes, or so we think, should be improving. Right, right. Um, computing power is growing. Of course, we're all familiar with Moore's law, right, um, right. And, and so forth. And this should lead to, I mean, like clockwork, better forecasts. We understand the processes. We can model it better. And it, it wasn't happening. Heck, we couldn't even get six-hour now casts correct. So how on earth do you think we can forecast three days, five days, six days, ten days, two weeks, or whether there's an El Nino going to form or not? There was something else at play. And so the, the clue was, what is it? What is it? What, what else is going on that we're not taking into account on a day-to-day basis? And uh, I'd come across uh, cyberspace orbit. That was just kind of one of my regular stopping grounds because who knows what little bit, what little odd story is the corner piece in the puzzle that, I mean, kind of gives you boundaries onto uh, what what ideas to look into and to why the weather is bizarre. Right. Are there earthquakes? Why is the sun acting up? Wow. You know, why is the planet dimming or is the sun getting brighter? So there were all of these conflicting stories, and, and it's not easy to put together, obviously, otherwise more would have. Well, I tell you, if you're looking for little cornerstone stories, Kent's website is a good place to start your your uh, your, your your adventure. So uh, that's sort of uh, how I discovered him as well a long, long time ago, and yeah, uh, he does a wonderful job of of, of just combining all kinds of interesting things from all different angles. He's one of the most interesting sort of generalists around there, and he really has a grasp of all these different things. So, uh, Kent, that's a good time for you to speak up maybe. Speaking of earthquakes, Scott, we've had quite an interesting week in uh, <laughs> California, and, 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 of course, there was that giant quake in, uh, off the coast of Chile uh, just about a week and a half ago, and since then it seems like the whole thing is just sort of broken loose. The whole the bell is ringing. The bell is ringing. well, yeah. The whole plate moving or something it triggered it down there in Chile, and then we've been watching up in Northern California uh, a big old 7.2 quake, and it's aftershocks that have been ongoing uh, as of let's see uh, yesterday, and with still potential for for more. And of course, uh, in terms of weather modification, I think we have to 
we might take a look at uh, some of the weather modification technology interpreted in terms of a tectonic force, too, because it might be one and the same thing. And uh, the potential of making artificial quakes has been pretty well established in recent conferences mm -hmm. and so on. Uh, generally led by the Russians. Now, it's interesting to me that in this uh, new bill that's coming out, uh, a, my main question to Scott is what's your take on this crazy bill because uh, it looks like what may have been a covert sort of uh, experimental thing, weather modification is bubbling to the surface. I don't know if they need, right, they need right. funding and they need, it looks like they need research and technology transfer authorization. Now, if Colin was correct in saying that the, the, the tectonic uh, technology and weather modification technology is out here, he said it in kind of a vein that uh, maybe we don't own all this quite yet, and so it makes me wonder which way they want to transfer the technology. Well, they're probably in the process of, of either building bridges or, or some way to, to bring it from deep undercover and then out to out to more of the, uh, the scientific community that it, that's in the daylight, um, and, and that has to be done rather rather gingerly. I mean, hmm. there's there's no question that when they discovered that the Russians were capable of doing all that they're doing, that there was no way they were going to come out and say, "Hey, oops, guys, you know this has been happening for 10, 15 years, and we didn't see it, but you know, you know, let, we, this is what's happening." No, they just they just kept it quiet, and they'll never say yes. It's been happening until they absolutely are cornered, and have to say yes. This is happening, and we need to get legislation out there so that our guys are 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 at least subject to some oversight. But that should be the case globally. Hmm. I mean, there there should be monitoring in place, so there's only one weather matrix running, one weather machine running at one time. We had a, an impressive. Kid, you're still. In the northwest, aren't you? Yeah. With with the, this cold storm that kind of approached the coast last week, and they just kind of sat there and sat there, and you know we were supposed to get at least two three days of rain. We got nothing out of it. Nothing. And we have a lot of weather <coughs> systems that seem to creep up in our direction and then stop, whether it's a high pressure or low pressure. Interesting. <laughs> well, you know. Let, if I could jump in for a second, I was sort of curious about that bill too, Scott, and what your take was on it. Because uh, to me, look, we we all know that this stuff has been going. At least for me, I saw it with my own eyes in 1998. So at least for the, the skies changed in Denver, Colorado, in 1998, and I and I photographed it and filmed it and screamed. The sky is falling, <laughs> and of course, uh, everyone said I was a lunatic, which I am, of course. But at, at any rate, uh, uh, for at least seven years, I've seen it, and I also saw it when I was in Europe. And so I've known through my own personal experience that this has been going on, something strange in the sky, spraying of some sort. And I, and I don't claim to know what the true uh, agenda of this thing really is, although Scott's ideas are very provocative, and I think that uh, he has a great idea of what's happening here. And it would have truly frustrated me if I had known for as long as you have what is going on in the sky. Um, it, 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 just to see no movement and, and just minor incremental movements in, in the greater awareness about what's happening, oh, that would have been... Uh, <laughs> 
yeah, knocking your head against the wall and trying to get, I mean, this, this static scientific community or even the public, you know, just, just to notice. Well, it's actually funny because uh, I used to write a lot of letters to the to the editor at the Denver Post in uh, in Colorado, and and I'm a reasonably good writer, and I didn't write about nothing usually, and, and whenever I did take the time to write, I usually tried to do a good job, and they for I don't know maybe maybe ten or twelve uh, letters that I had sent uh, over a period of three or four years, they they printed every letter of mine, and the thirteenth or fourteenth letter addressed this what was going on in the skies above our head I, I asked the question and, and asked if somebody else you know would address us because I thought it was true and that they that, that was the first letter of mine that they did not publish and they never spoke to me again they they never that was, uh, the, last one. That was the last one and I knew the editor and uh, he wouldn't talk to me anytime after that he wouldn't print anything else that I wrote whether it was about anything else uh, you know the whole bit. So anyway this thing to me now seems like maybe the pressure is getting too great Scott and they got to bring it they got to bring it. Uh, they got to legitimize it somehow. That, that, that's what's happening. They're building that bridge so it could be legitimized. Hmm. Amazing. Um, it, it's a whole slow process, and I don't know. My my feeling is that it, it is happening much later in time than even they had had in their hoped for in their wildest dreams. Hmm. You know, they've been able to get all the way to 2005, with this happening over our heads for 30 years, and the contrails being flown for every bit of 10, if not 15. Sheesh. Um, that's a long time to hide something in plain sight. Right. You know, no, I'm not 200 billion people with their eyes going, and when you, when you include Europe and Canada and some of these other nations that are dealing with this as well, all of their governments are fully aware of what's happening. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's Other, a huge otherwise, operation. Otherwise, these planes wouldn't be allowed free or access to their airspace. Okay, now that's a good that 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 reminds me. Anybody who's online, if you're interested in this, go to my website right now, uh, uh, radioorbit.com, and look at the image that's on my my front page there. Scott, I grab. I don't know if you went over job. there, but yeah, it's that it's that satellite image from NASA. And if you don't think that something strange is going on in the atmosphere of this planet, uh, go take a peek at that thing. It's an official NASA f uh, photograph, and. Uh, it's absolutely outrageous. What's curious about that image is that there will be, it's a satellite picture, and there are several hundred contrails over Georgia, Mississippi, North Florida, and I believe it extends a, a bit out of the Atlantic and possibly into South Carolina, but there are numerous groups of, of three contrails flown in tandem, and, and they arc out from not quite a central point, certainly not Atlanta's airport, um, but it almost looks as if they're Contrail, see which one is the brightest. Hmm. Will they light? And then they and then they cross them too. It appears they make a grid formation, so to speak. They're isolating. They're isolating portions where there's additional shear being added into the atmosphere by this by this EM hmm. technology. By this All right. Well, I I tell you what. Let's let let's uh Ken, let's talk about these earthquakes again real fast, yeah. and we'll we'll chat for another five. Uh, or six minutes with Kent, and uh, then we'll go to a break, and and we'll come back, and we'll uh, we'll we'll begin at the beginning, and we'll tell people uh, the story of what uh, the history of the technology is and what we think is really going on. Okay. Sound good. All right, Kent. Uh, what do you now? As far as the the earthquake stuff going, and of course this could be related. Uh, and Scott, we'll talk about that a little bit later too. But these. Uh, scalar technologies that we're going to be talking about, these electromagnetic technologies that 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 uh, that a sitting Secretary of Defense uh, mentioned uh, quite clearly at a counterterrorism conference uh, 
seven years ago, or I make that eight years ago. Uh, so uh, all this stuff could be related, but uh, what are you what are you hearing, uh, Kent? As far from I know you're in pretty close touch with a lot of these uh, seismologist guys, like Berkland and some of these other guys. Well, I'm not a, a really a technical sort of a guy, but I do have uh, the ability to ask a lot of questions. And if you read, for instance, uh, you were talking about chemtrails a minute ago. If you read the Eastman patents, now Eastman is the Bernard guy that, uh, you know, he's a harpmeister. He's right, the guy right. that built the big antenna array. Right, his name is Bernard, Bern, for those interested, his name was Bernard Eastland. And that's E-A-S-T-L-U-N-D. Yeah, if you read his patents, it includes several elements, including an aerosol spraying program, you know. And uh, but the purpose of, of this direction under Eastman was to create a kind of energy waveguide, and uh, which somehow is connected to the transmission out of harp. So that might be one aspect that we should look at. I'm not saying it's, it's valid or okay. And again, and again, the only aspect, but it's something we need to look at. And uh, Part B, recently they've had several conferences and so on that have been quite above board, and the chairman of these have been Russian generally, and one of them is called, a couple of years ago, uh, full title, Induced Seismicity Due to Electromagnetic Impact Caused by an MHD Generator. And uh, what they're doing is uh, uh, by using... Uh, creating huge electrical forces and Tesla coils will uh, pan each other side of a, a fault line and uh, relieve, uh, apparently relieve pressure <laughs> on the faults, but uh, all in all, it boils down to that they can uh, kick the earth with a, a pulsating wave and make the, make the faults, faults uh, active or act up. Right, right. And, and, and how potent this sort of thing is, well, it must be rather potent there. Secretary Cohen wouldn't have been nervous about it. Yeah, it's a so that technology stuff. is there. In fact, I think it was there quite uh, apparently there when during the, uh, the Cuban Missile Crisis, apparently Khrushchev had a new powerful weapon, and uh, uh, there's some indication that what he had was a favorite uh, weapon. That's right. He and spoke he, about it in public. He spoke about it in yeah, public. He boasted, yeah. And so that may it, it may have been a powerful weapon system. Right. It was it was the basis behind his "We will crush you" uh, statement. That uh, it was based upon this new weaponry that he said uh, in in the wrong hands could destroy the whole planet. Is what he said. And you have to question: Were, were those the right hands for him to oh. be? In? Yeah. And anybody that has those technology are those the right hands right and this is 1960 1963 we're talking about when these guys are messing with this stuff and we know uh, from the work of Bearden uh, Tom Bearden and others who have done amazing work over many many years now that uh, that, that this stuff has been at least uh, 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 scientifically possible and and been in at least some sort of operational phase for at least 30 years, Scott. And maybe longer. Maybe longer. Tesla, Tesla demonstrated. Yeah. Right. Tesla was doing this stuff in 1919. Yeah. And when he died, see, a lot of his innovation was not totally well received by the business community, J.P. Morgan and others, because he had concepts that would have ruined their own financial interests. Right. And so when he died, a lot of his uh, papers and so on went back 
he was a Serb, went back to Yugoslavia, and then it was probably picked up there and to go up there. The FBI swooped in shortly after his passing. So yeah, his good stuff was cleaned up, and my understanding is, is his, much of his brilliant work has just never seen a light. Yeah, you know that, that's something that, that there have been a lot of people that have that, that have speculated upon it, and there's there's no question about it that that it's hard to say what we don't know about him because the guy continued to surprise and to astound. You know, the, the more you find out about him, so there's, there's no saying how much we don't know. And then you really are left wondering, you know, how how little we do know and how little we are aware of electrical processes within the entire solar system yeah. and by extension the rest of the universe well we're learning uh you know i think that that's one of the things that we'll have to talk about as we get into the program here this uh this connectivity thing that we have to start to take for real uh because we're messing with uh we're messing with systems that are uh, very delicate and uh, and that maintain their own equilibriums, but they're also really dynamic. And this law of unintended consequences is real. The butterfly effect is real, and and we really, in my opinion, seem to be in some sort of a boy. They're they're sort of an uncontrolled experiment, messing around sort of the way they are. So it's, it's kind of like a, a rapidly spinning top. <laughs> and it's beautiful when it's operating properly. Boy, <laughs> you just throw it out of balance a little bit. And you can't predict where it's going to end up. And uh, it, it happens very quickly once that balance is lost. And we are playing in the upper atmosphere, in the magnetosphere, in the ionosphere, in the upper stratosphere. We're playing with the natural processes of how ozone, um, how the ultraviolet light creates and alters and, and keeps the, the upper atmosphere in balance and hence life possible on the surface. That's right, Scott. And, and this is not something we should be doing lightly, and certainly not under the cover of black ops. It's just immoral, simply immoral. Well, I tell you what. Okay, look, we're at the bottom of the hour. Kent, uh, you want to stick around for a little while? I think that this this three-way thing, I, I actually like the way it works. If Scott, if you don't mind, and no, if Kent, you, Kent, you got to, you got a little little while left in you. Yeah, it made it a lot easier to hear Scott that way too. Yeah. Okay. Well. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. I hear you there. So it's not uh, that that what what is it? Uh, um, that's your. Oh, forget it. I better just go to some music as I stutter on my words. So, all right, you guys, uh, we'll be back in just a few minutes. Uh, I've got uh, Scott Stevens, meteorologist uh, from KPVI in uh, uh, Pocatello, Idaho, and. Um, uh, and also Kent Stedman from cyberspaceorbit.com. Check them both out at their websites. Uh, Scott is at www.weatherwars.info. And uh, Kent is, of course, at uh, www.cyberspaceorbit.com. You can get to both of them through my site, radioorbit.com. And we'll be back to talk about more of this funky stuff in just a few minutes. In the meantime, this is... Uh, uh, digging back into the archives. This is Rush from Permanent Waves. This is called Jacob's Ladder. Hope you enjoy it. Back in a few minutes, this is Mike on Radio Orbit.
Yeah. <laughs> All right. A blast from the past. Getty Lee and Alex Lifeson and Neil Pert, Canadian trio Rush from Permanent Waves. That was called uh, Jacob's Ladder. Gotta love the imagery of the storm clouds. All right. Uh, this is Mike. You listen to Radio Orbit, and I'm on the line here with my good friends uh, Scott Stevens and Kent Stedman. Do I have you guys both here? Yeah, we're both. All right, great. Uh, anyway, let's uh, get on with it. Kent, why don't we, uh, why don't we let Scott uh, talk for a few minutes about... Um, actually, let's give out the websites real fast again. Scott, your site? Weatherwars.info. Okay, weatherwars.info and Kent... Cyberspaceorbit.com. All right, cyberspaceorbit.com. That's uh, and you can get to either of those guys from my site. Okay, um, why don't we let Scott sort of begin at the beginning and tell a little bit about this technology and what we think is really being utilized um, in weather modification that's happening as we speak, and then uh, Scott, maybe we can tie in and then back uh, to where we, what, where you were going earlier with about how the how the chemtrails tie into that now as maybe some way to, to, to look for a fingerprint or something like that. What, uh, what was really cool is what, uh, what the Russians were able to do in picking apart Western science during the 40s and 50s. Once Stalin got wind and understood uh, the intensity that we were uh, pursuing the nuclear option, um, he told the scientists to get him something else, get me another option, something that the Western scientists are not doing. So they took boatloads of scientific documents and papers into the Western or into uh, into the Soviet Union and into that Eastern Bloc, and they had thousands of scientists going through it, looking for mistakes, looking for errors in assumption, looking for math errors, looking for missed logic. And instead of doing what we do here in the West, which is called a peer review, and it's just those that have the prevailing viewpoint, publishing stuff that supports their point of view and not publishing things that, that, that counter it. And the Soviets were essentially looking for information regardless of who proposed it. Okay. And they found mistakes in our theories, in our math, in they were able to make quantum physics and classical physics. And this is important because this allows energy to be drawn out of time, this allows for the teleportation of materials. This allows for basically us to join the next the next century worth of science. It's just, it's phenomenal. So we're able to use a transmitter, a scalar transmitter, and take EM waves, regular Hertzian electromagnetic waves that we use to power the house, run them through this transmitter, and they become then longitudinal waves. And they basically gravity waves will trans will will reverse anything. They'll move through wood, they'll move through concrete. You can focus them through the earth to pop out on the other side. They can move, they can move through the earth? Through the earth. But oh. Most of it, most of this energy is a reservoir of energy that is contained within the earth that has just been set up at a specific residence. So that harmony, that energy is just always there and able to draw from when needed. Right. Now that, that, that again reminds of Tesla because that was his idea of transmitting energy through, literally through the earth. So, so again, maybe these are tied together, huh? They're very similar. Okay. They're very similar. Um, so there's this standing wave. There's this, this ever-present energy capable. And the science, or, or the, I would suppose the fun part of it is then taking a portion of that energy that is, that is just, you know, keeping the, the earth ringing and then drawing it to the surface and being able to manipulate the weather using 
the electrical current from the ionosphere from the top of the Earth's lithosphere, the, the crystals, the crust, and then controlling that electrical flow with some sort of matrix, with some sort of governor to, uh, to slow that flow of ions or stop it altogether and, and crush a storm. So uh, no doubt they had been experimenting greatly through the 60s and through the 70s and decided at, at, on our bicentennial weekend that they would initiate weather operations against the U.S., their nemesis. And so by Centennial Week in 1976, we began to hear the woodpecker grid. Hmm. And this is along the shortwave radio frequency, somewhere between 2 and, and somewhere on the upside of, of 30, 30 megahertz. And you can hear pulsing. And they have used phase-shifting technology, so the, the, the frequencies wander, but they have been turned on and have covered more and more of these frequencies, these shortwave frequencies, since that bicentennial weekend, and they persist to this day. Um, and once that energy is there, it can be used whether you want to focus it in the tectonic plate system. You can remove energy. You can add energy. You can add it slowly, or you can add it quickly, all depending on what kind of event you would like to trigger. And so that opens up an entire realm of possibilities that Khrushchev was boasting about, that mm -hmm. there was no need for that million-man army when you have this technology. All right, so, so, so not only weather modification are we talking about, that's just one, that's just one aspect of this technology. We're talking about literally uh, the, the, the manipulation of the entire biosphere and atmosphere. We can move plates around. We can move weather around. We can uh, probably, uh, if you can do earthquakes, you can probably pound on volcanoes, I imagine. Exactly. It's just it, your imagination then becomes the limiting factor right. and in then, what to do with this. Right. Oh, and hold uh, hold on a second, and uh, I got to do this one more time. And from Cohen, from the sitting Secretary of Defense, you know, 1997, he says it right here, uh, whereby they can alter the climate, set off earthquakes, volcanoes remotely through the use of electromagnetic waves. It's I mean. I mean, that, that, we're not making this up, folks. I mean, this stuff is r as real as uh, as uh, as whatever, you know. Well, whether you want to believe it or not doesn't change the fact that it happens every hmm. day. True. You know, and that's just that's just where you have to go is know that it happens. And what the next step is simply the public becoming aware of it, and that happens by looking at the sky. Hmm. That's okay. The easiest thing to do is just look at the sky, and you can begin to see signatures of this manipulation. You know, in, in the ripples and the shapes in the clouds, um, the, the, the sheer number of quakes. I mean, it's a connected system. Okay. The geologists don't like to go there just yet, but then they've ne not necessarily been a brave group, you know, when it comes to, uh, to making a paradigm shift. Right. You know, nobody wants to be first. God, isn't that the truth in so many areas of science right now? So it, it, It's prevalent. It really is. Hey, um, Kent, do me a favor. Scott gave us a pretty good technical description of what's going on. You uh, are sort of a visualist, and you've done before uh, for me a description of, of the way you see scalars in sort of a, uh, a visual metaphor with the, uh, with, with the two big elk running down the mountain, that sort of a thing. Maybe you could explain it that way for the people that don't uh, really get the technical stuff too well, just an idea of what the scalar means to you. Well, I asked Charlie Plyler, who's had some naval intel experience what scalar meant. He 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 told me that uh, just he said visualize a couple of big old mountain rams coming down running down into a valley 
their heads lowered, and they wham, they butt heads right there. And he said that apparently at one level it looks like the energy cancels out, but where does it go? <clears throat> and uh, apparently what he said is that it develops a super potentiality that can pop up somewhere else on the Earth. Ah, uh, super potential. And Charlie got started on this whole thing wondering where lightning goes. <laughs> you know, when you get the arc between the Earth and the cloud pattern, where does it go? And Charlie has a whole bunch of devices set up now with the antenna and buried in the ground, rather than above mm -hmm. ground, in order to monitor the various currents. The Earth apparently is superconducted of various frequencies, wavelengths, and uh, you think it wouldn't be. But, you know, Tesla knew that. He used the whole Earth in his Colorado Springs experiment, if I understand it correctly. He used the whole Earth as a capacitor. And, uh, you know, when he set up that big Tesla tower and oh, yeah. blasted an arc, and, you know, I was thinking of something else, and I don't know if this is technically sound at all, but I'd ask for a visualization. When when Tesla performed that experience, he used about eight cents worth of electricity from the local power station up in the mountains and blew it and smoked that station. That's right. I don't know how that works, how the energy backed up and blew out the power station, but when he, when Scott was talking about the scalar device for Woodpecker, mm -hmm. I've heard rumors that the power source for that was a place called Chernobyl. And the energy and I wonder fed back into the Chernobyl. <laughs> hmm, interesting. I've, I've, I've heard that too, that the energy was uh, basically fed back into the system, and that shorted out Chernobyl. Wow. So that's, uh, yeah. If they had been able to uh, to perfect a, a, an over unity device, a free energy device, and, and had that perfected, which apparently nobody does, at least at least not humans yet, um, then you would have the perfect quantum potential weapon. But apparently that is just outside the grasp of uh, of what we're doing right now. The ridiculous thing is that if you have those sort of technologies, the need to blow everything up just goes away. You would think that uh, that you know, realization would settle in long before. Yeah, it's just absolutely insane. I mean, because if you have these sort of technologies, all you got to do is implement them, and you just you can basically, in a pretty short order, take care of most of the problems that we have. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've believed that for quite some time. We have all the tools we need. We need a change of mind more than anything. So. It might be really simple, too. Simple enough that they can uh, equip sheriff's departments with the... Uh, uh, transmitters that will stop your car dead in its tracks. There you go. can do that. I mean, who's to say that some guy, I hate to even suggest this, but who's to say that some guy can't go to a radio shack and build him a device that would smoke other kinds of electronic <laughs> Well, yeah, it's, well, that's one of the things. Is pr the proliferation of information and technology is one of the things that's, you know, that's just on this incredibly high fast curve right now and I think it's one of the things that's just got the control freaks just uh, just climbing the walls you know is that they just uh, uh, can't handle the fact that there's so much I mean information and technology that's just uh, moving and proliferating so fast that they can't keep up with it I don't think well, and the big struggle for them is containing people's curiosity mm, yeah and uh, you could do that much easier with 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 publishing houses and with libraries but boy 
what you have, can't they able to publish? Right. I'm able to publish. Right. You're able to publish. Right. You know, then our ideas are out there and just as accessible as anyone else. Right. It really, the internet really did level the playing field for sure. It's just, will it be there long enough to make you know enough of a difference? Hmm. And and that's where the hundredth monkey theory begins. Right. Right. Where, right, where right. is that? And when will that quotient be reached? Because I have no doubt it will be reached. And there will be enough people um, to bring a paradigm shift. I think so too. I think it's. I think it's going to have to happen. I mean, if it doesn't, obviously the other the the, the other alternatives aren't, uh, aren't 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 very good. So I, I still think there's that inevitability that uh, that there will be a lot of people that who are unwilling to make to make an adjustment in how they live, and um, there, there's a fate awaiting them. I mean, there's there's just no question. I mean, this this planet is exhausted. We have uh, we've taken just about everything she could give us, and then some. And uh, either and, and now we start using these technologies. And let let's 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 talk a little bit about about something else uh, for a minute, if you don't mind, while we still have Kent. You know, this this idea that 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 they are messing with the system. Whether they think they have it under full control or not, and we can talk further about that, the nature of the grid system and how the weather is actually being uh, changed, and you can describe that to us as well. I know that they, uh, using these electromagnetic technologies, they either energize or de-energize certain areas of the grid and therefore move storms and pressure and water and all those sorts of things around. So, so we'll talk about that. Um, but be- before we do. This whole idea in general of messing with complex systems, I think, is something that deserves a little bit of, of time. Uh, Scott, you're a guy who, uh, who knows weather as well as anyone around. And what's your intuition about messing with these complex systems? I mean, is it really possible to have them fully under control? Or can they, when, when you start messing with them, can they really snap back and bite you? I think through, no matter when you begin to mess with something, you have, you have to go into that with, with a certain understanding. Either you're going to understand it completely, partially, or still learning as you begin to play. Um, it, it, it's, it's like an eight-year-old cooking. Um, he doesn't have the experience as to what the baking soda does when you mix it with this or mix it with that, but we learn. My question and my concern is that it's been 30 years that it's been in progress, and no doubt we know much, much more now than we did then. Mm-hmm. But it, it, is there a point when you get five and six nations competing for weather supremacy mm-hmm. to where you just literally blow the top off the thing, and, and it just says no more? And then basically there is a hole in the atmosphere, and then like in the day after tomorrow, you just get incredibly cold air pouring in from space or the absence of air thus flash freezing everything. <laughs> These are possibilities because we are lifting layers of the atmosphere much more than they ever need to be. We already have a sun in an excited state and this planet with a fever and we're playing with its, with its breath, with its atmosphere and we shouldn't be. Um, and there will be consequences that uh, we can't see. Uh, all it would take is one good burp from the sun to, to knock out all but the hardened satellites. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then there goes our reconnaissance about what is happening within the sky and with the weather. 
and then we're really left blind and trying to to, to fix this thing hmm. while it's operating. And the climate system may already be to a point where we've got the North Atlantic thermal climb in the process of shutting down. Yep, I've read some stories that the, that the Gulf Stream was was slowing down. It, it's there are canyons at the bottom of the Atlantic where it's essentially it's reversed already. Oh man! You know, it's 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 inevitable. It's just the question of when. Is it 08? Is it 012? Is it 18? Is it is it 25 or 35? And that spells and that spells what for for Northern Europe and England the be, and the beginning of the next ice age hmm. because the Earth will will go into a one more likely a, a minimum of about a 13 to 1800 year cool event. And uh, I mean it won't end until long before you and I and our great 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 grandchildren are, are gone. You know, but that's that's where we are. And, and with all of the extra energy coming from the sun, energetically, it doesn't have to be light heat that we feel, that kind of radiation. Mm-hmm. There's an induction effect happening at the poles with the aurora. And as this energy is then inductively being absorbed into the crust, that then heats the poles and heats the ground, and hence you're having this incredible glacier slippage as they're just now moving very quickly towards mm-hmm. the ocean. So you're, you're heating from below wow. and you're heating from above. I mean, th- th- there are destiny points that we have not far ahead of us, and we're his- we're standing here bickering about what's causing it. Mm-hmm. We need to be planning for the next age. It's 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 set. We need to be planning for a different type of climate. Kent, what's your take about these about these these systems? And when you start fiddling and twiddling with them, when you don't know what the what what the what the actual outcome will be? <clears throat> well, as far as technology believe, you know, Tesla was doing this back in the eighty ninety, <laughs> and uh, so I mean the uh, technology was not probably at least in our perspective not all that complex. And so what I wonder about in terms of technology believe is that it's what's to stop just one guy from right. and uh, some of this stuff, you know, and uh, I was talking to a oh a guy well, I can't remember his name back about ten years ago and he said yeah he said we were causing topographical damage by dragging a mile long wire behind an airplane over a tiny lake and, and <laughs> pulsing a signal and and you know it was messing with the ground down hmm. there hmm. it was just a single wire you know that doesn't sound that complicated hmm. to me and. Uh, <clears throat> it's a matter of hitting the right harmonics right. with that standing wave. And uh, that's what the Tesla coil in your car is essentially all about. It isn't all that complicated. So what happens when, when one guy gets a hold of this stuff and puts a couple million into it and develops a device that will knock out Texas, you know? Right. And by the way, Texas went black. <laughs> and it went brown out and then black out, I guess. And all of when that stuff like that happens, I always wonder what's really going on. Hmm. Yeah, it's sort of the stuff of James Bond, you know. But uh, apparently, uh, it's as real as 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 real can be. I mean, this stuff is obviously happening. It's been going on for a long time. We'll talk more about uh, about the uh, the actual methodology and how we, and how, and how Scott has proven uh, not only to himself but to his peers. Uh, that uh, there are signatures of this stuff going on in the sky, 
that you can pick out yourself once you know what to look for. Scott, we'll have to do that. We'll go through some of the imagery too, okay. um, and uh, and look at some of that stuff uh, in a little while. But yeah, I tell you, it uh, it's it's a it's a really really wild time uh, that we are living in because I mean it is like uh, just shoot them up, man, and ask questions later. We're just gonna just jump 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 and see what uh, happens so i guess scott as you say uh, we just sort of <laughs> go where the river takes us at this point it doesn't appear there's a whole lot we can do about people utilizing these technologies it appears that they're out and about and who knows how many uh, people actually have them and kent if you're right it doesn't have to be a nation in particular it could be a uh, you know a cabal or a group of individuals or a private individual or a, or a you know a mafia or whatever, so it could be it, it could be freshman new college physics kids, right. or, yeah. or or electrical engineering guys. I mean, the parts to make this technology are readily available and can be can be gotten in, in any town. Right. It's just, it's just knowing how to do it. And I think that's probably a big part of 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 the disinformation campaign that has been. Uh, ongoing for over a hundred years, like you say. I mean, that's the only way is to completely discredit uh, the ideas in in the public and the scientific forums, and then and then continue uh, the research or whatever at a at a covert level, which is in perfect step with what these guys have done, uh, certainly since uh, World War II. That's uh, their MO. You know, and and that is the MO. So there's no reason to think that that hasn't gone on. And I I, I must agree, Scott. Territory in so many different respects, whether it's climate, whether it's weather, whether we're talking economics. Um, there, there are many things happening now that we have not experienced and uh, don't have to know how to model. And ultimately, that is going to lead to a quotient of chaos. And uh, as we move into that time, it'll afford us opportunities opportunities to educate others as they begin to see things falling apart opportunities to wrestle this knowledge and technology and power from those in power, um, it, it's going to afford us an opportunity to change. But we're going to have to see some element of chaos before that can begin, before people will let go of the way things are. They'll have to be very, very uncomfortable before they'll let go. Yeah. And um, that's unfortunate. That truly is unfortunate. And it's a function of our education. Yeah, right. they'd much rather sell fear than, than courage. Isn't that the truth? All right. Well, look, uh, we're at the top of the hour. It's uh, one o'clock here in Mid Missouri, and must be what about uh, midnight back in Idaho and Midnight Mountain. All right. And it's eleven o'clock uh, in Seattle. So we'll be back in just a few minutes. Uh, this is Mike. You listen to KOPN. Radio Orbit on eighty-nine point five FM, and uh, my guests are meteorologist Scott Stevens. And uh, the brilliant researcher and artist, musician, friend, and guru Kent Stedman from www.cyberspaceorbit.com. We're talking about scalar technologies, weather modification, EM-induced earthquakes, volcanism, all things that are in the realm of the real these days on planet Earth. So... Anyway, think about it uh, for a few minutes. We'll be back to talk more. This is Bruce Hornsby in the range. Mandolin Rain will be back in just a few minutes. This is Mike. You listen to Radio Orbit on KOPN. 
All right, this is Mike. You're listening to Radio Orbit on KOPN. And uh, we had a quick uh, goodbye from Kent Stedman. He says uh, thanks, and uh, don't forget to check him out at www.cyberspaceorbit.com. Uh, always interesting stuff going on over there at Kent's website. And uh, speaking of interesting, we're in the middle of a conversation here with uh, some, uh, Scott Stevens. And uh, Scott is a meteorologist and a weatherman uh, out in the uh, mountains of the northwest. And uh, he's been with us before a couple of times. And here we go again. Scott, we got another uh, 45 minutes or so. So let's, uh, let's talk some more. What, uh, where should, what, what should we talk about? Let's hit that contrails. Yeah, let's let, let's talk about uh, contrails and about uh, clouds in general, and what uh, what what we're looking at up in the sky, and what some of these things that you see mean, and how you pick them out, and how we might better look at things and identify them, that sort of thing, maybe. Well, what kind of frustrated me, or, or when I put together the site last fall, uh, again, primarily dealing with the scalar aspect, uh, that that direct manipulation of the weather. I just I did not want to get into the contrail controversy at at the time because I, I just felt there was quite a bit of research that had already had been done. We had had some direct and indirect analysis of contents. Uh, we see them in the sky. There's just no question that it happens because uh, right, right. But you look at it for any length of time and, and you just begin to to know which ones are and are not of that family of contrails. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just it's not even a discussion point for me anymore. Um, but what 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 it came about was running time lapse cameras outside of the house here, and I've set up four cameras, not necessarily all with the cardinal directions. We still have some trees around, and I can't get off to the north. But uh, through January, February, and through March, when when the weather systems are at their largest. We've got the, the, the winter jet stream, which is fairly potent, and uh, that's when the greatest energy is interjected within the system is during these high-energy months of during the winter in the northern hemisphere. And uh, I noticed these big X's floating by. Right, right, we've, right. we've all seen them. Right. But even more curious was on April 28th, looking off to the west, um, it had been a day with a few patches of high clouds. But within the span of about 25 minutes, seven planes isolated a little spot, just kind of basically sitting over the city here. Um, four going west, two going east, and then the rest going north and south. Uh-huh. And out of those contrails, it was curious to see how the contrails dispersed around this object. So the conclusion was, and then going back and looking at much other time lapse and other video that I've shot, is that there are different mixtures within these contrail planes, and different mixtures flown at different altitudes. Huh. Look how they disperse, and you'll have. Um, oh, how do we get into this? Because ionization is a very important portion of this weather modification. What is ionization for the ionization, people who don't know? It is the ability of essentially electricity to attract the water molecule. And so you, you ionize an area, and then you're going to have the attraction, or positively charge it, you're going to have the attraction of the water molecule. Okay, and, and for just in, in general, weather in general is about moving water around, right? Entirely. Water and energy. It's, it's, it's the balance. It's the, it's the energy budget of this planet is balanced by the weather systems. Okay. And we have gone through a dramatic warming 
on this planet since 1976 and 1977 when these programs were initiated. I mean, a huge increase. I mean, we're blaming it on the sun and on, on carbon dioxide. I believe a healthy portion of the carbon dioxide stuff is, yes, it's there, but there are other things uh, that have trumped that uh, huh. in, nearly in its entirety. Um, but but what, in, in, in looking at the hundreds of hours of time lapse, um, these planes will thread layers of the atmosphere, say 26 and 27,000 feet, or between 32 and 33, or even lower at 15, 16, 17,000 feet, looking for shear, putting clouds down so they can trace it from satellites to see where the clouds are moving. And thereby, then, they're, they're essentially, the contrails are there for gathering intelligence. Let's say you take a chessboard, and it's broken up into a grid, and you take a contrail plane, take a big white marker, and then leave a stripe across your chessboard. And within this chessboard, each one of these blocks is capable of moving left and right, up and down, and heated or cooled. And they want to know in real time which zones are being affected by this technology. And that's why we have hundreds of planes flying these skies looking for these bursts of ionic energy where you end up with holes in the middle of thunderstorms, holes in fog, holes in hurricanes. Okay, okay. Or on the reverse, where you are, all of a sudden you're getting this energy driven into a storm and extracted out of someplace nearby because you'll begin to see a lot of symmetry when you explore the satellite imagery. So mm -hmm. the energy is being mm -hmm. used locally and dumped into a thunderstorm. Somewhere else, there is that echo showing up whether it's a void in the clouds, uh, a burst of heat as, the, as heat is removed from a local thunderstorm environment to create a more violent updraft, that energy has to go somewhere. And it's just deposited somewhere else nearby. Hmm. And so you'll see incredible symmetry um, with, within the entire weather system. And it doesn't matter whether you're looking at you know, a 3,000-mile-long cold front draped from the Canadian Maritimes back down to West Texas or in a simple thunderstorm cell, hmm. there will be symmetry involved. Wow. And, and, and it's, it's a giveaway, and it, it's incredibly frustrating for me to uh, not have others see this as well. Some do, but they're just not sure as to where to put the responsibility mm -hmm. yeah. as to why it happened. Well, to me, it's it, uh, let, me, let me mention a couple things that, that stand out to me as you mention the things that you do. Mm -hmm. If... If if your theory is correct that the that the chemtrails or the or the contrail program, which is a huge operation that's been going on for a long time now, uh, and and like you say, it's not even worth discussing if you don't if you're not familiar with it, you just need to go go fi figure it out because yeah. it's, it's obvious once you start to learn about it. So anyway, uh, if that's being used uh, to spot signatures of the things that you're talking about, the the, the only thing that I can think of. In other words, if you were the only one, if, your, if our nation, for example, was the only one that was using this, they would know exactly where they were using it and how it was being used, so you wouldn't have to sp spray a bunch of stuff to, to try to figure out where it was being used. So, right. so, so this implies that there are other people, obviously you mentioned the Russians earlier, so there are obviously a number of people that have these technologies. Is the implication that, there, that, that there's an, and again, the, 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 uh, by 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 the name of your website, weatherwars.info, uh, that 
certainly says to me that there's a war means there's at least two people going at it. So, at, at some point in the late '80s, there had to be a NATO briefing where uh, we sat down with our brothers in arms and essentially laid out the case of what was happening. Hmm. And there had to be a brainstorming session as to one how to find out how extensive this is, and they could review satellite imagery and and see the anomalies. But then they needed to know how it's done, how often is it done, and countermeasures. And 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 instantly, a budget was drawn up, and we need to find out in real time what's going on, how this game is being played. And there's no question that there weren't numerous uh, National Reconnaissance Office or other other agencies uh, lofting satellites to then look specifically at these contrails right. and to be able to do high-resolution, I mean very high-resolution weather scanning or cloud scanning for thunderstorms. Huh. Uh, my curiosity is to how far up the National Weather Service and into NOAA, National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, where... Where do the nose and the not nose reside? Uh, where is that delineation? If no is completely in the dark, then that's that's terribly unsettling. Yeah, I mean, how could they be? They couldn't be. They they they, and if they are, then God help us all. <laughs> God help us all. You know, it's funny. NOAA is up there in Boulder, Colorado, and uh, I think if that's if 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 I'm thinking of NCAR is up there. Yeah. NCAR, that's right. I used to climb around the hills out there around NCAR. And, uh, National Center for Atmospheric Research. That's right. right. I wonder what they know about this. Oh, they've got to know. They have to know. And like I said, if they don't, then our, our science is, is, is in as bad a situation as, uh, as we're... <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it's one of two things. It's either that. I mean, either, either our scientists are just absolutely nowhere near as... Uh, uh, competent as we give them credit for, or they are, and and in that case, then we ha then we're in the middle of a technocracy, and 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 they're holding information from the yep. general public for their own yep. means, yep. and and that I think is probably a, just as relevant a possibility. Either way, it's bad. Either way, it's bad. Yeah. I don't like it either way. Um, yeah, I really don't. I mean, I really don't like it either way. They're arrogant. They're not listening. Or they're or they're, they're holding the information back either out of fear because they've been told not to discuss these issues until it comes out, right, right. And, and that's why I'm here. That's why I'm doing this. Right. To force the issue, make it discussable, and, and and hopefully when the weather industry gets a clue, has some place to go to look. Right. Because you can look at a simple cumulus cloud in any afternoon, and and watch it, but there will be. Mike, clouds are formed, or we're told are formed, by two things. Um, either, either way, it's the condensation of moisture. Okay. Either by an updraft lifting uh, that moisture, that warm parcel of air into a colder environment will force the condensation. Okay. And at the base of the cloud is called the lifted condensation level, and those bases should be grossly uniform across a given area. There will be exceptions, but on the whole... What does that mean? Flat, a flat base? A flat base. Okay. A flat base. Um, so, for, so, so from Scott, from the ground, what does that appear for, for for a person viewing from the ground? A cloud with a flat base. What what does it look like? In other words, what you're seeing with your eyes, the bottom of the cloud. And it, it should be fairly uniform. Okay. And, and it, it, there should be a lot more uniformity in the clouds than what we're seeing. Right. Um, the clouds cut in half. 
cloud, essentially what, how this scalar weaponry generates the cloud is you have a, a small slit. And within this slit in space-time, there is a violent updraft. Mm. And it's this motion, like vapor forming over, over airfoil. As, as a plane goes in for landing, you'll get these vapor trails and mm-hmm. vapor form over the wing. Um, that's what they're doing with this scalar energy, is you're creating a very localized, violent updraft. And then that whips the cloud into place. And then you keep it strongly charged and continue to attract moisture to this cloud. And it's, it, it's often that electrical charge rather than the movement of air that causes the wind. Mm. As you get the moisture then attracted to the thunderstorm as it, as it, again, vaults itself high, high into the sky. And that's this ionization thing that you're talking about. Right. Okay. Right. Um, and it's, it's this technology acting as the go-between between the upper atmosphere and the Earth's crust. Hmm. And uh, you can... We, we had... Again, I brought up with Kent this big storm looming off the west coast late last week and over the weekend. Uh, time-lapse looking off to the west as the storm should have brought us quite a bit of rain. I could see five different layers of clouds moving at 90 or 180 degrees to each other hmm. at every bit of 30, 40 miles per hour. Um, so what they were able to do is is kill the storm by not allowing a, a, a tall enough cloud to form to generate rain. It just kept getting sheared off, you know, mm-hmm. 2,000 feet up mm-hmm. and sheared coming the other way at 5,000 feet farther up and at 10,000 feet of violent wind moving in the opposite direction. And then you look at the satellite imagery, and it looks like uh, uh, oh gosh, I mean yeah, a checkerboard again. Yeah, the the satellite imagery is is ridiculous, and the, you know we haven't talked much about the radars. The radars are are another interesting side of this, but 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 I don't want I don't want to go there yet. I want to ask you something else about the the clouds and and the chemtrails. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if uh, again, these uh, when when they're chopping them in half and trying to stop these storms or whatever, is is it? Do you consider that a defensive maneuver, or in other words, it, are, are the storms sometimes being created as as force multipliers, as weaponry, or 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 are we doing this only when a natural situation arises? No, there's no uh, more natural weather. So you believe that basically all the weather is being manipulated right oh, now entirely. And what what's wow. disturbing? That's is, quite a statement. Uh, and, uh, well, you can take it to the bank. Yeah. Um, and as you learn what to look for in the clouds, it will become glaringly apparent. So um, this grid system, maybe that's what we need to describe. Maybe maybe we need to talk about that because that will explain to people why you just made the statement that you made. Well, to deliver this this energy or to manage the energy that is in place across the entire globe, literally, it's been it's been gridded out. It's been turned into a matrix of, of programmable, the atmosphere being um, managed in programmable depths and, and these squares of, of, of specific widths and heights and, 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 and the weather machine. I don't know. I'm sure it has a name. Uh, over western Missouri, there was funky clouds today. Uh, you'll end up with shapes that look like half moons but with a tr- with two triangles in them. You'll, you'll end up with um, pentagons. You'll end up with lots and lots of pairs of eyes, circles, lots and lots of pairs of circles. Hmm. 
and it's these circles where we have the pivot point or the energy is either drawn into the environment or it's rotated around these circles. Um, I'm, I'm still working on that. Huh. This is a solo dude trying to figure this out. Right. Um, well, it is amazing stuff, and you know we should we should mention uh, Tom Be- Tom uh, Bearden real fast. Mm-hmm. He's sort of the grandfather of some of these ideas, even though much of what Bearden uh, has done is based again on these other guys that yeah. go way way back. And all Tom did was uh, sort of uh, help uh, revivify that stuff. You know, his website is c h e n i e r e dot org, Shania dot org. Yeah, Shania dot org. Uh, it's uh, it's it's good, and uh, I've had a couple of discussions with the man. So uh, he's uh, he's anxious to get this information out there. There's a, once you know what's going on, it becomes a very great weight of responsibility that then sits on your shoulder because it's it, the yeah, technology and how it's used affects all of us every day, mm-hmm. and uh, that uh, that just means that. There are people that control aspects of our lives. So, so why isn't the weather in the United States wonderful everywhere then? Because each country or each entity continues to turn up the gain, if you want to call it that, on their antennas. All right, so that's where the that's where the idea of the weather war comes in. We're all fighting for control yep. to, to make it good for us, and and hence you can't have. In other words, it, the energy has to be dissipated or collected it somewhere else so what's good for me is not necessarily good for my neighbor on the other side of the planet for example exactly exactly but it's good enough or far enough along that if we would all just get along mm. we could all have nice weather and you could have your forecast for you zip code emailed to you on sunday night and have it accurate for a week then we could get rain when we needed rain and <laughs> many many of our problems could be could be solved. You know, I've really never thought about it on that scale. I've al- I've always thought about I've always gotten so you know the, the the anger side of me always takes over and I get so mad that the stuff is going on that all I want to do is find out what what's going on, who's behind it. And I never really thought about, you know, as you say, if if it, if it were managed in a reasonable intelligent fashion, yeah, you could make things oh, yeah. really cool. And, and I don't have a No problem. pun intended. And I, I yeah. I don't have a problem with controlling the weather. You know, if if it were something that were not to be done, it wouldn't be possible. But since it is possible and frighteningly simple to do, then it needs to be done for hmm. the betterment of, of mankind, all of us, hmm. all of us. And as long as we have, I'm what I'm concerned about, Mike, is that uh, because we're playing this game so hard, one on one, and maybe it's maybe it's Two on three or two on four. I don't know. You've got China in the game. Right. You've got India in the game. You've got Brazil in the game. You've got the Japanese in the game. You've got us in the game. You know, you, who knows? Yeah, who knows? You've got, let's just go back to the storm off the West Coast over the weekend. It was a one in 8,500 event for a June date. One huh. day in 8,500 should show um, a jet stream that potent, that cold, this late in the season. Um, and if Let's just say that the the other guys wanted to keep the drought in place out west. Mm. So they keep cutting down the storm. They cut down the clouds. And we're trying to turn it on and get the clouds going and turn on the rain. What if they were to then say, let them have the rain? Uh. And then they turn on that aspect of the rain and then make the conditions from their side 
favorable terrain as well. And so then you create a huge superstorm or something. Instantly. And then it and just does a tremendous amount of damage. And that's why the contrail planes have to be there. Hmm, yeah, very interesting. So, so, and, and so then the contrails, again, they use those uh, as sort of, uh, it's like dusting for fingerprints, so to speak. Always, always. Yep, yep. And, and there are days and weeks where you won't see them, and then they're there in their heads. Yeah, I, I have, I've always... Uh, that's one of the questions I've had, and, and, and if you follow this stuff you know, on the web, you'll find many comments of people that said, wow, it looked like they finally stopped. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then um, you know, the skies have been clear and, and you know, just regular airplane traffic with regular dissipating contrails, you know, uh, not these ones that turn milky, streamy, and spread out and turn the whole atmosphere into a gray dinge over time. That's so, because they're just not needed there. Those right. planes are elsewhere flying. And then they Fighting come this war. right, and then those same people will come back a month later and say, "Oh, they're back again." I wonder what what changed. And we always say, "What I wonder what happened that you know, that triggers this activity." Yep. Hmm. Yep. Interesting, Scott. Really interesting. It's um, it, and there's a little there's fallout from it. There's a metallic fallout from these planes. So uh, that that's that's an ecological aspect of this that has to be addressed and will be addressed when. When it comes to full light. Oh my God! I mean, and and the, I mean, just the tremendous amount of of particulate that must have that up to this date has been just sprayed in the atmosphere. Not to mention there are there are legal precedents about doing these sorts of things without uh, you know without the the, the uh, knowledge of the citizenry of this country. There are also constitutional issues at, 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 uh, to speak about here, and it's. In fact, it actually got raised in Congress, didn't it? Uh, Kucinich brought it up. Yeah, because yeah. Dennis Kucinich brought it up a, a couple, a year or two ago about... And, and the, the, this is why they couldn't bring it up, because then they would have to introduce the scalar aspect and this whole weather modification. So they could not open this can of worms, because that was not the only can of worms that would oh, then get opened. That's the thing, you know, if, is that they can't open any can of worms because they're all involved in all the cans. Exactly. You know, and it's just... A, it, we, we, and it's created just a stagnant uh, situation where, uh, you know, the, the politicians of this country are either uh, they're either ineffective or defunct or scared or scared to death because they're being blackmailed or. But anyway, they're they're not helping things. That's for sure. Well, and and they can't. Their their hands are are truly tied. Things were a representative or a representative form of government, and uh, there is an aspect of government that operates above and beyond mm. that which we elect. Yeah, it sure seems so. And uh, it uh, that's not going to change and until the people simply quit funding this government that then siphons money off into, into that government. And uh, it's going to take... And again, that's the M.O. They've been doing that, using drugs and all kinds of things for many, many years. So. Yep. And uh, when you don't... I mean, there, are, there are things that have not had audits in 40 years. There... They find ways. That's crazy. Paper. We'll print some more. All right, man. All right, let's see. Uh, We're at the uh, the bottom of the hour here. Let's take a break. And uh, we'll come back, okay? All right. My guest is Scott Stevens. He's a meteorologist and a television weatherman out in Pocatello, Idaho. And we're talking about scalar technologies and weather modification and weather manipulation and uh, the reality of uh, that stuff going on on our planet today. And his website is www.weatherwars.info. 
And uh, there's some real interesting information there, along with some wonderful imagery. If you want to see uh, with your eyes some of the things that we're talking about uh, tonight, it's a good opportunity to go take a look at his website and pull up some of the images um, that are listed on the left-hand side of his homepage there. And uh, we'll come back and talk a little bit more about this stuff. Uh, I'm not sure where we'll go, but maybe maybe a little bit more about how people can uh, see this for themselves and sort of prove to themselves that this stuff really is ongoing and uh, how we can sort of identify these signatures ourselves. And um, I don't know what uh, what we should be thinking about, doing about it, or if anything, like you say, Scott, uh, it appears that there's not a whole lot we can do about it. It's sort of ongoing. It is ongoing. And uh, we've been kept in the dark so long that we, uh, I mean, even experts like Scott and Colonel Bearden are, are uh, because of the nature of the information are still uh, even though they know more than most they're still looking for answers and um, so it's a real complicated thing that's going on but uh, we'll we'll talk more about it in just a few minutes okay all right we'll be back uh, in just a minute this is Mike you're listening to Radio Orbit on KOPN and uh, my guest is Scott Stevens check him out weatherwars.info and uh, you can get there from radioorbit.com uh, we'll be back in just a minute and talk more
All right, that's uh, Fault Line with a little help from the Flaming Lips. That's called Colossal Gray Sunshine. And uh, we're talking about the sun and the rain and the storms and the moon and the plates and the earthquakes and the volcanoes and all kinds of uh, Armageddon-like apoc- uh, apocalyptic scenarios with my friend Scott Stevens. <laughs> and, uh, it's not all bad. Uh, you know, you know, hey, you know, I, I, I say a, a big part of me says, bring it on. You know, we need some changes to shake things up a little bit because every once in a while the apple cart needs to be rolled over to get things uh, uh, back on track. And right now, I mean, if you look around the planet, well, there, there are a lot of things that uh, could be done a whole lot better, and, uh, and and unfortunately, sometimes things really need to get shaken up in order to in order to get them straightened out. So, and, and that's curious because I think there are a lot of people that that, that there is a, a little bit of impatience right now, um, and, and impatience for what I don't think we know, mm. but um, there's there's a little uh, either impatience or anxiety or um, something's coming. Yeah, and I, I, you know, I think that it, you know, there, 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 like you mentioned earlier, there are these unsustainable uh, situations that are going on all over, not just in uh, weather and, uh, you know, and, and in these exotic technologies that we're talking about, but also in economics and in healthcare and in, you know, and in in uh, education, government, politics, business, religion, science. You know, culture, everything is just getting shaken, shaken up. And, uh, you know, it, it appears that the shaking is getting greater. And in, in, in it's being expressed in all these different ways. So, um, I don't know, it's wild. And it's it, there is sort of an anticipation. There are a lot of people, uh, regular folks, not, you know, just regular folks to say, hey, man, something's coming, you know. I don't know what, but something's coming. That's that's the truth, and, I, and the question is, what is it? And right. It's hard to prepare for whatever it is. You know, if you're uh, if you're not if you're not prepared in a lot of ways, right. whether it's via food, via via finances, um, uh, spirituality certainly has a is going to be a big part of the changes that we have. Right. To I I think more important than anything is just you know being able to. Uh, uh, to think, to, to have actually considered uh, something vastly different, regardless of what you might not know what it is, but to be able to consider it and think about it in your mind as a as a as a real possibility, you know. And as you say, that to get your 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 mind and your spirit in the right place, because then when it does happen, regardless of what it might be, at least you've. You've had the thought in the past. Well, you know, I, I I figured something real strange might happen, and if you've if you've considered that, you have a much better chance of dealing with it. I think rather than someone that is locked in the in the uh, you know the uh, consensus reality box and and never ever considers anything outside of the norm. They consider that everything is going to go on status quo as usual forever, and then when something happens outrageous, well, they can't handle it. You'll make better decisions. You know, if you've kind of thought about it, if, uh, if you're aware that things could happen that are just way out of the norm, and, and affecting society and your own personal livelihood in, in, a, in a very direct way, mm. got to think about these things ahead of time so you can just, well just so it doesn't freak you out when it does happen. You know, and 
getting back to our to to our our topic a little bit speaking of you know thinking about these things ahead of time it we 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 touched on it earlier and it's really stuck in my side and uh, i want to mention this idea that uh, this idea of twiddling with things and fiddling with things w- without really knowing you know what the full on consequences are that to me is the mark of very very dangerous or 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 immature. ignorant immature people and uh, and that's what i see in this more than anything that really really gets me is that this this idea of just messing with things when you really don't know it's you know it's the whole, the whole shoot first ask questions later idea and uh, man now they're doing it with our whole planet we're not going to know how it's going to play out. Yeah, we don't know how it's going to play out. Until a little bit later. You know, and, and our, is us not using aerosols, is that going to be enough of a change to do some work on the ozone? I mean, when you're already heating it with, with these big antenna arrays, you know, what what are we supposed to do as individuals mm. to begin to, you know, add a, a little bit of sustainability into all of this? Because well, we, we all play a part. We all right, the, have to play a part. The, we just don't know what to do. The first thing we need to do is 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 make a decision whether we even think any of this is in in reality or not. A lot of people think you and me are nuts, right? So let let's uh, let's talk quickly. We've got uh, we got 15 minutes or so. Let's talk about uh, how people can go outside, look in their own skies. And uh, and tell the difference between something that's natural and something that's probably happening through uh, some other means. The big thing is geometry. Okay. There's uh, there's geometry. I'm uh, in the process of uh, shooting a lot of video um, and attempts to put together kind of a DVD uh, presentation of, of these unusual things in the sky and kind great, of what to look great, for. Great. Um, it's going to be every bit of three discs long. There's just that much material. Um, but waves. When, when you heat something, you end up with, with a boiling aspect. Mm-hmm. And uh, when you, like a, a good, good guitar string, when you pluck it, you'll end up sending waves out across the atmosphere. Right. Um, some of these waves will be invisible. Some of them will be made visible by the contrails so that the wavelengths will be not but a few tens of meters from crest to crest. And some of them will be 20 and 30 miles from crest to crest. And you can see that most specifically on, on satellite imagery. Um, these holes, man, start looking for holes in the sky. And if you see one, you'll see another. Right. Um, and, and that's something that uh, changed significantly the last week in April. Um, and I've only been noticing this stuff aggressively in the last year and a half or so. So that may have been present on previous summers. I don't know yet. Um, I've gone back and looked at, at some of the pictures because I'm, I'm a photography nut as well. Right. Um, and some of it's there. It's just it's never been as blatant as mm-hmm. it is now. And well, I think that's why the legislation is there. Is that soon as somebody does what I'm going to do, right. the game's over. Right. Well, and and we haven't mentioned it in a while in a while, but Scott Stevens is a meteorologist by trade. Uh, and by training, and uh, he's not uh, a layman when it comes to this stuff. He knows what he's talking about. And uh, right angles are another thing that we see a lot, right? We see right angles. We see uh, um, cirrus shields where you'll have, again, a straight line, and then uh, it, it'll be draped back at 90 degrees, 
trailing behind. So you'll get uh, a parallel, well, uh, let's just say two parallel lines running and then uh, counter that or perpendicular, you'll get other lines developing and, and weeping off cirrus clouds. Mm. You'll get uh, twisted cirrus. It's just like somebody's taken a cookie cutter, mm-hmm. stamped into the clouds, and then twisted and then lifted up. And contrail planes love to fly right through those. Mm-hmm. Just, I mean, they'll take a bead eye and just boom right through them. They want to see how it disperses. Right. Um, in cumulus clouds, look for, they'll take on a square shape, literally a diamond on its side. And, uh, and, and at, at, at each end of this cumulus cloud um, is the updraft. So you'll see this whipping curl. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes they uh, fold out, the, the, the circles counter-rotate, and sometimes they rotate together. Um, numerous, this, this is the video project that I anticipate to have done this month. Right. And uh, it, it's going to answer a lot of this. But in the meanwhile, I'll get some clips posted up on my site. And yeah, and there's, the, there's a tremendous amount of imagery on your site, and a lot of it is outrageous. I mean, some of these, I mean, even for a layman like me to look at them, I go, well, obviously something is going on there. And especially these satellite imagery are just mind-benders, you oh. know. And that, I've got a new satellite page that's sitting at my web guy. And uh, he got right, it yesterday, right. so it, it should be up. It's just another 18 visible satellite images. Right. And uh, every single cloud, every single cloud these days, Mike, has these pictures uh, within them. Well, I look, you know, we we have pretty wild weather systems coming through Missouri here. And, uh, you know, I I look at the skies a lot differently than I did before you and I met. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I see I see this stuff all the time now. I can just pick it out. And I'm, I, I'm maybe I'm not great at it, but I can certainly pick out the obvious ones. And, uh, and usually either things dissipate uh, where you wouldn't guess they would or things get wicked wild. Uh, when when I see those things in my area, and uh, you're either fortunate or unfortunate enough to, I guess it depends on who's at the controls. Um, but being being in the Midwest, where these storms can turn violent, so oh man, and they can't predict them anymore. Like you say, it's like they don't know these things show up out of, and they and inevitably they show up at night. You know, in I mean, it's, there's a reason for that, right? I mean, nobody sees them or anything. It's like, it's it's almost like it is used as a weapon and. And and they're not predicted, and then everyone asks afterwards, well, how come the Weather Information Bureau didn't... Why is it doing what it's doing? Why is it, and, and, and those guys are doing their best to, you know, to say, well, we're trying, but we just didn't get it, you know, or whatever. How are they supposed to... What are they supposed to say, you know? Well, and it's, the, again, it's this ionic flow that, that peaks in late afternoon between the top of the Earth's, basically, atmosphere and the sun. There's this... this constant electrical current mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. is just not appreciated for what it can do. Mm. And uh, as the scalar grid manages this, this flow as best it can, at night you, the weather machine goes into a different mode um, because we still want people to think it's natural, you know. Um, <laughs> so it's, it's much easier than to just turn on a storm at night when the other machines are not active. They're in night mode, so our guys can turn it on, and then boom, there we go with it with a big thunderstorm. And that's the way the summers have been out here. We've never seen the nocturnal thunderstorms like we have. Hmm. They're just, uh, and they're not little raindrops. I mean, they're big, soaking storms.
forms. And uh, that's good when you're in a drought, but right. uh, with, with clay soils, it doesn't take much to end up with a whole lot of runoff. Right, right, right. That's, that happens around here, too, sometimes. But, uh, look for squares in the clouds. Okay. Look for holes in the middle, like right in the middle of these cumulus and, and towering cumulus clouds. You'll see holes, not terribly large, unless the cloud is being disassembled. And then the hole in the middle of it will grow. Mm-hmm. Holes on either end of the cloud bases. And that will help with the updrafts in this um, uh, scalar-induced environment that we have to live in now. Right, and when we see those holes, that, that that's really just an electromagnetic pulse that just punches a hole, basically, in the cloud, right? That's that's the foundation. That's the the bones, the skeleton for these clouds these days. Okay, all right. That's uh, that's how they're put together. Wow. Um, it, it's uh, it's amazing how far and how well it's been developed in plain sight. Hmm. Wow, it'll, it'll get better as time goes on, I feel. Um, it, it, in good ways and bad ways, too, because as we make advances, the other guys will make advances as well. So there's, it's going to be an incredible tit-for-tat game as we uh, as we move into the months and years ahead. Oh, my gosh. I mean, it's just like, uh <laughs> You know, you just want to say, can you guys please work it out, you know, for everybody's sake, because uh, you just have this, I just have this intuition that, you know that they're just opening up, just, uh, just, you know, just Pandora's box. They are, and uh, it, 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 who knows, who knows. And again, like you say, if they, if they could just get it together, we could, we could actually go the other route, and, and it maybe really solve some problems. And that's where I'd like to see it go. Um, well, at some point we'll get there. Truly, at some yeah, point, uh, yeah, it'll happen. Right. It may, it may not be. Uh, Right now, it may not be in our lifetime. It may be another up and down. It'll be within 20 years, Mike. Well, I sure hope so. It'll happen. It'll it's, happen. Well, it basically has to, or or, uh, or we will... We self-destruct. Yeah, we self-destruct, and then we have to bootstrap back up again, and it takes another 100,000 years or whatever. But yeah. uh, Those are the choices. Those are basically the It truly is that simple. Either we fix it, we get it right, or we blow ourselves up. And it's not much of a decision in my mind. It's, no, not not for it, me either. It, and 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 that's where the energy has got to be directed, is into fixing this and not not being so concerned about the other. If it happens, if it happens, oh well, we'll try next time. Right. You right, know, it's, right. just, it, it's too late to fret. Right. So you just uh, you just do what you're supposed to do now. Right, right, right. I couldn't agree more. Well, for for people that are interested in this, uh, what uh, you got any advice for? You know, I think I, like 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 we've been talking about. The first thing is a realization that this stuff is is real. You know, and when you can come to terms with the fact that this stuff is really happening by using some of the methods that uh, Scott has mentioned tonight, and by looking up and being aware of what's going on above your head. You know, it's so funny that oftentimes people just don't look up. That's the biggest thing right there. They just don't look up. Is. People live in two dimensions. They do not pay too much attention to that third one up above. Game Boy and Xbox. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just we have got to uh, get reconnected to our environment. It sustains us. Uh, we breathe the air, and uh, that's because we have been such a disconnected society has given them access to steal the weather from us and us not know. And to the point where science and government didn't know for 15 years, um, it, it was that bad. And it, harp is a very curious beast. The thing tell, that tell, it, um, we, we haven't talked about harp very much. Tell people what harp is. Harp is a high, 
high out what is it, high frequency yeah, high altitude aurora research project, something like that. It's right. up in Kanoka, Alaska. And it's essentially the public's version of our scalar weapons program. Um, it, it, once you realize that everything in this universe is energy, then you can do just about anything with it. You can transmit thought. Thought is a frequency. Thought is a thought wave. You can uh, piggyback emotions on these thoughts and direct it to people. You can heat the ionosphere. You can ping the sun with bursts of energy and see what happens. Hmm. Uh, we, think they, yeah, we think they've done that, too. Oh, certainly. Certainly. I'm sure they've tried. Um, yeah, you can shoot down satellites. You can. There, there are so many things that are possible. Right, you can do basically anything. Um, there was a picture from a show called Mega Lightning that was done mm. on the National Geographic Channel. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And as the shuttle, the Columbia re-entered over, over the West Coast and then broke up, right. um, there was yeah, a yeah. curious lightning strike mm -hmm. that a doctor in Marin County, California, got a picture of. NASA flew out, nabbed the picture, and said it was camera shape. Mm -hmm. And that, come on, guys, right. you could lie better than that. Right. Um, but it was a square lightning strike with a corkscrew on each end mm. that struck the plasma ball that was this shuttle re-entering over the West Coast. Mm -hmm. And, you know, once you learn about these scalar weapons, you've got to wonder if that's not what took it out. Mm. And if it was the Yakuza, if it was the Russians doing it, then we've just built them a space station. And we can't get to it or are too afraid to launch, so we're not subject to one of those strikes yet again. Mm. Yeah, who knows? There's, there, there is going to be an entire list of events, be they natural, be they man-made, and other disasters that if we were able to open these other nations' portfolios of technologies and of weapons, we could do a lot of matching up. Hmm. And, and this wasn't natural, and this wasn't natural. And indeed, going forward, Mike, there's only going to be three kinds of events, weather included. Well, and not even weather, because it's, that's just been kind of taken out of the mix. It's just the intensity of the weather. Mm -hmm. There's going to be natural. We'll have natural quakes. We'll have some quote-unquote natural weather, um, but still it's within defined uh, scalar parameters. And then there's going to be an intentional big events, be they hurricanes, be they big quakes, and then there's going to be those that are unintentional, those where somebody still hit the, the fire button on the weapon, but the, but the plate, the tectonic plate didn't go as... Didn't act the way they wanted it to, right, yeah. right, right. And, and the same with the atmosphere. Huh. All right, so, so we got so we got all this stuff to look forward to. Yeah, and, uh, don't we though? And you never know, maybe they'll maybe they'll shift the planet and uh, and it, and it'll straighten up on its axis. We'll no longer no longer have an angle, and, and it'll make everything uh, nice again, and no one will know what to do. We would be a balanced planet. And maybe at the same time, there's a nice big flare to just eliminate all the technology, and we'll go back to the garden. So, oh. <laughs> some people would love to see that. I don't think that's going to happen. I think technology is, whether we like it or not, uh, we're going where it's taking us. The only thing that could do that is, is the sun. Yeah, and I agree. And I think that and it's certainly within the realm of possibility, again, like everything else. So. You know, and there's the Mayans talking about oh, the, boy. the fifth sun. Yeah, yeah there's know, a lot. And how it was a copper sun, and then now it's yellow. 
and how they anticipate a change of the sun. Mm. Maybe as it goes to a, a blue-white star, that that changes everything. Mm. Well, okay, Scott, look, uh, we're just about out of time here, so uh, let me say thanks again. We've obviously got more to talk about. We'll do it again. We will. And uh, for everybody, you've been listening to uh, Scott Stevens. He's a meteorologist and a television weatherman in Pocatello, Idaho, and a friend and a real interesting guy and a great researcher doing some really, really out there stuff, but uh, uh, but really relevant and really important and more, more important than not, uh, verifiable. And you can verify this stuff on your own. All it takes is a little research on your own. If I can do it, you can. Yeah, so go check it out um, at uh, weatherwars.info. That's www.weatherwars.info. And uh, there's all kinds of stuff there that you can educate yourself with. And uh, his sources are very good, and the documentation is good, and the references are good. And, uh, hey, Scott, I, uh, I wanted to mention to you, too, I don't know if you know it, but somebody out there, transcribed one of our entire shows. Can you believe that? Yeah, it was cool. So whoever you are out there, thank you. That was really cool. And uh, hopefully you'll listen to this one. I'll have it up on the web in the next uh, couple of days or so. Uh, you can listen to Scott and Kent and uh, the whole thing. So. I was surprised to see that done. That was kind of cool. Yeah, that was great. Uh, so anyway, um, that'll do it, okay? Thanks again, Scott. And let's... Uh, We'll stay in touch, and uh, if anything gets interesting that you want to talk about, uh, feel free to get in touch with me at any time, and, and I'll, I'll, uh, I'll get you on the air if we need to talk about anything, okay? Will do. Will do, man. All right, buddy. Good night. Take care of yourself. All right, everybody, that was Scott Stevens, and uh, uh, thanks to Scott for being on the air and spending his uh, Monday night with us uh, talking about this important information, okay? This is Mike. You listen to Radio Orbit on KOPN. I'll be back in a week, and uh, let's see, next week, Ed Edwards' shoe, my good buddy. Uh, is going to be on the air, so be ready to get on the telephone and call in because we're going to need your participation next week. Okay, in the meantime, uh, enjoy the week and uh, enjoy the rest of uh, whatever's going on in your life. Okay, this is Mike. You've been listening to Radio Orbit, and uh, we'll be back next week. In the meantime, let's finish things off with a nice song called Into the Night. This is Gordon Downey from Battle of the Nudes. Talk to you next week. Oh.